FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast that goes snicked. It's a flashback episode, Wild Child. And I am your host, Jason Face Off Venable. And I'm joined by special guest, John. The first cut is the deepest, Wilson. And Al, bad boys running wild, Sedano. Hey guys. Hello. did, Did you cut me... Was it was I cut like a virgin for the very first time? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, hardly. Uh, you're like the podcast um, madam, if anything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that sounds like I'm getting way more action than I actually. <laughs> you podcasting tramp. Podcasting all over there, here and there, going to yep. the companies, everywhere. Ooh, man, here, little image here. <laughs> Oh, goodness gracious. Well, thank you guys for coming on. Um, two of my uh, podcasting heroes slash cohorts. Of course, um, we'll do some official plugs at the end, but John has the um, the Make Ours Marvel and all the pouches currently going, and I think you got some other stuff that you... I've got one more cooking in the oven. Yeah, like the Star Wars one or something else? The Star Wars is going to take a little bit longer to cook, but I do have okay. a... Um, a uh, Japanese superhero commentary podcast that's going to be coming out after the first of the year. Nice. So we can talk more about that later, or I can talk about it now, but I don't want to take up time. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll come back around to it. Sounds good. And then, of course, Al has the uh, Adam Thanos... <laughs> I'm just trying to say Adam Thanos. Uh, Adam Warlock and Thanos Resurrections podcast and um, the Pop Culture Palace and yep. anything else I missed. As of now, no. I've had thoughts about others, but i got to get myself on a good schedule of these things, because right now I'm barely getting them out. <laughs> I need to get ahead. And John, you've been kind of a regular guest on Resurrections lately, haven't you? Yeah. Um, Al started talking about Adam Warlock on a podcast, and Adam Warlock is like my favorite not-top-tier Marvel character. <laughs> So I was like, nice asterisk. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I was going to say C list, but that sounds so degrading. I mean, he probably is, but also I really like him. So I was like, Hey, 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 Adam or Al, sorry. Hey, Al. I I, I tried to talk to Adam, but he didn't respond. Right. (laughs) He talks to his comics. I like Adam Warlock too. And he said, come play on my podcast. So, so he lets me play on his podcast. Nice. Come play with us. And y'all play well together, so I'm really excited. To, I've had y'all both on the show separately, but never together. So I'm, I'm really excited to see uh, see what magic happens on the microphones tonight. <laughs> well, this is just a little bit different because I'm not wearing the orange skin makeup this time, like like I have to wear for the other show. So um... <laughs> It's in his contract. <laughs> and the cape. Right, with the skull roach. <laughs> Although well, podcasting having... brigade lately, I've moved the skull brooch to my forehead. Oh, that's true. Yeah. But on the yeah. plus side, he only has to wear short. He only has to wear you know speedos. He doesn't have to wear our pants, so he likes that. <laughs> true, true. 
Those thighs need to breathe. <laughs> it says like two of the four Robins. <laughs> <laughs> well, until uh, until New Fifty Two, they all got pants, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or even even the animated series. True. Yeah. No more. I uh, no more no Aquaman more. underwear or pixie boots. Well, End of an era. End of an era for sure. I mean, yeah, so we're going to talk about some 1990 Wolverine um, and focusing on a couple of stories that maybe don't necessarily go right in order. There's stuff that came out between these two, but they feel very connected and they both involve, um, I think, the John Byrne creation, Wild Child. Um, I thought I made a note. Now I can't find it, but I think that's right. he created him during his Alpha Flight run. And, um, yeah, so John, I've had on doing a lot of the Marvel Comics present stuff with me. And then Al uh, kind of mysteriously tweeted uh, the cover to Alpha Flight 87 a while back. I was like, hey, you know, it's kind of made a mental note. And then when these stories came around, I pulled these two yahoos together. And so that's what we're going to talk about. Yahoo! So any any particular feelings on Wild Child before we get started? Uh, well, first of all, yes, you're right. He first appeared in Alpha Flight 1, so he was created by John Byrne. Cool. I was just checking that. Um, well, I did read this run of Alpha Flight. I actually started reading Alpha Flight with the first issue we're going to talk about in a little bit, 87. But I he's only out a Wild Child briefly at by... The next time he pops up, he's Weapon Omega. Oh, yeah. Which I is a mystery for that. a while. You don't know who is in the Weapon Omega mask. And then it's oh. like Wild Child, but he's all like groomed now. Yeah, he's all... <laughs> he's less wild. He's very sophisticated. Yeah. <laughs> he went through uh, so, so, you know, Wild Child in the streets and Weapon Omega in the streets. Oh, that may be the best thing that's ever been said on the podcast that goes next. (laughs) (laughs) Solid gold. Yeah, you know, I really, I didn't really read him at all growing up. And then not too long ago, I started reading Alpha Flight with John Byrne. I was like, oh, he's kind of cool. And then, yeah, so I don't know. But we get a lot of him in this story. We'll talk about that. Um, so we're going to start off with a three-parter in Marvel Comics Presents. Um, the main thing story is called The Wilding. And, of course, we have three little chapters. And I found this kind of interesting, John, because the last time you were on, we did that Eric Larson story. Mm-hmm. And this is a Rob Liefeld story. And I, I thought it kind of tied into all the pouches because both of these stories are two soon-to-be image guys taking their first crack at writing and drawing a story on their own. So I thought that was kind of interesting that I had you come and talk, and now you're talking about those same guys on your image podcast. Yeah, that's a neat connection. I hadn't really thought of it that way. Um, Yeah, so you had Eric Larson, who's, of course, going to be the Savage Dragon, doing a proto-Savage Dragon kind of story. And then you have... (laughs) Rob Life, well, you know, one of the minor characters in that story. Then you had Rob Liefeld, who's doing um, 
Wolverine and Wild Child. And as he goes into Image, of course, one of the things Image is known about is sort of having a lot of not quite X Men characters, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, um, which like is not Brigade s- One. which is not to slag off on those creators it's just that there are some undeniable similarities between some of their character designs but um but yeah so i hadn't really thought about that way this is uh this read of alpha flight that i've been doing as part of my own read through is my actual first time to read through the series i've never read alpha flight before so i know a little bit more about uh, wild child because i'm a little bit farther on the road than you but it's really been a first go for me yeah, me too. I I shunned it as a youth. I don't really have any particular reason. I just, I don't know. To me, it was always like, oh, that's those guys that sometimes show up in X-Men and they're Canadian. And I don't know. I don't, I don't know what 12-year-old me was being snobby about. But whatever, for whatever reason, I didn't read it. And um, so, yeah, I've really enjoyed, especially the beginning of it. It's a really fun book. And, you know, it stays tight. <laughs> and different segments along the way so yeah it was good for about 20 issues i thought yeah early 100s it starts to go away but like these 20 issues or so were pretty decent yeah definitely all right cool well marvel comics presents number 51 is the wilding part one face off um Written and drawn, actually all art, including inks by Rob Liefeld, letters by Jade Meaty, colors by Brad Vancata, and our first cover is by um, Paul Galachi, and I really like this cover. It's kind of a black background with a Cree Wolverine uh, with tattered clothes. Um, we have Exo Man of War in the letterbox for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah but no I, I thought this cover was really cool it was one of my favorites of these three but what do yeah. you guys think of the cover I, I, I like it. it it's sort of um, sort of a horror movie kind of tone to it uh, if this were a zombie wolverine story this would be a good cover for that oh yeah but yeah it just looks like he's been in a really good fight and it's nighttime and he's ready for more Yep. Yeah, no, this is a fun cover. This I, I definitely did pick this up when it came out. It definitely got my attention. Plus, you know, the the costume looked really good, and this is the costume I like on Wolverine, so. Yeah, me too. I have a feeling I might be coming back, but maybe. Oh. Uh, yeah, we will see. Oh, I will say, since that happened to come up, that uh, Marvel is relaunching uh, Marvel Comics Presents, I think, early next year. Yes, I, I- heard about that. I saw. I think Jordan uh, White was was tweeting about that. Um, yeah, yeah heard that's else though. That's why I heard. Fabian yeah. Nisienza, I think, said something he, um, about it. <laughs> That'd be really exciting. John, did you say things? I oh. tried to, but it was going oh. in and out. So um, <laughs> I just was trying to wait for it to stop going in and out. But that's okay. We can keep going. <laughs> <laughs> no, I um. Did y'all know that the guy who is currently the editor of the X Men comics, Jordan White, he has a Sailor Moon podcast. I no. think I saw something about that on Twitter. I haven't checked it out or anything. I've been listening because but... my son and I are watching Sailor Moon because oh, okay, you know, that's what we do. And yeah. um, 
And yeah, he and Chris Sims are going through every single episode of the 1990s anime Sailor Moon, and they're talking about it. And every episode they have on um, a different um, woman who's, you know, grew up with the show and is in entertainment somehow, some way. So um, interesting. It's friggin' delightful. And it would be a little bit weird for two guys to sit there geeking out about, you know, uh, magical girl anime but like i said there is <laughs> there is a female voice on the show at all times they bring some delightful women on there to talk about sailor moon and and uh everyone from you know uh well lots and lots and lots of different people awesome but that that's not what we're here to talk about i just thought I'd share. <laughs> no i appreciate it that's some good insight into sailor moon um Oh, it's fine. <laughs> just open up to really long claws. Um, so anyway, yeah. Um, <laughs> so chapter one, of course, is face off, and um, in this chapter, Wolverine gets drunk in Canada, where he is briefly attacked by Wild Child, who is apparently out of prison and now a serial slasher. Heather Hudson laments working with Wild Child in the past. Drunk Logan was gonna just blow it off. But then he also remembers Wild Child in the past and how he got under his skin when they were in Alpha Flight. So he pops his claws menacingly. And that's chapter in chapter one. <laughs> yep. By the way, in the sake of fairness, I just want to point out there are feet all over this story. Yeah, and they I mean they look like cartoon feet. I mean, they're not anatomically detailed but they look fine yeah i'm just saying i'm just saying there are feet i'm just being fair yeah Yeah, there are plenty of feet they're perfectly fine feet and if i could never hear another rob liefeld feet joke in my entire life (laughs) i I, i'd be fine with that yep i don't think that's gonna happen yeah (laughs) so um yeah uh I, I like that Wolverine's wearing one leg of cargo pants and one leg of regular pants. Um, <laughs> I do yes. love the little sideways, I guess, uh, since it's a short story, there's not like a splash title page, but there's a, like a title panel, and it looks fantastic. It's uh, Wolverine kind of dripping in pink bloodish goo. And he's snarling and he's got his claws out. It's fantastic looking, I thought. It's a neat choice to sort of showcase, like you said, a title panel. But you you only have eight pages to work with. You don't want to give your entire, entire page over to just a splash. Yeah. But it still gives a little title. Yeah, it's neat. And I guess his pan didn't come with, wait for it, all the pouches. <laughs> no, they didn't. He was saving some for cable. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> He was waiting for that. He's like, no, I'm going to save the pouches. Save the pouches. But he's got his Texas necktie on. The one with the, like, the little, oh. little little cords that come down. Yeah. I love that. For a second. For a yeah. second. By page two, it's gone. Yeah, by page two, his uh, oh. collar's unbuttoned. And, the, and Cable came and got the other cargo pouch, too. It's gone as well. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it wasn't actually on his pant. Maybe it was just, like, floating through the breeze. Here's a little pocket so. floating through the breeze. <laughs> and I love on this first page when we see Wild Child, he's kind of got twinkle toes. Like, I feel like they're going, ding 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 like, in the air as he's jumping. <laughs> he thinks it's scary. So he yeah. 
Because you know the claws in those things. I mean, they're 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 pretty gruesome. That's right. Yeah, he, yeah. he can't get shoes in his size. I mean, those claws. No, it's just pointless. No, there are actually many points. That's why the claws are scary. But um, yeah. sorry. Are his feet backwards? Is his left foot I, on I, his right foot, and his right foot on his left foot? Oh. <laughs> I think I believe oh so. Oh my gosh. <laughs> No wonder he's in such a bad mood all the time. Good grief. His big toes are on the outside of his feet. Oh, Todd, <laughs> what are you doing? He is a mutant. That's his real mutant power. Right. Yeah. Also, he has very many teeth in that last panel on that page. Yeah, all yeah. the teeth. That can um, be the, the subtitle of your podcast, all the all the Liefeld teeth. Everybody, right. they, he loves to grit those teeth. Um, but usually to cool effect. It only backfires every now and then. Um, you know, this, this story opens up with the best there is at what I do, which I thought was just like a thing for Wolverine. But that doesn't get said much after the 80s. No, it kind of it takes a hiatus and then comes back in the two thousands. Um, I think that was mostly a Claremont thing. So once right. he was off the books, yeah, yeah the I think it really goes doing... away, and then some people start getting nostalgia for it, and they bring it back. But um, yeah, and uh, let's see what else in this. Doesn't he so, have to work really hard to get drunk? Because healing factor and all that. Yes. But yes. it has been established in the X-Men books where he would get drunk. It just, you know, like you said, it takes a little bit of effort and it goes away pretty quickly. Right. But he still can get drunk. What was that Alan Davis annual where he's coming home yes. singing? <laughs> yeah. He's, oh, the he's, like, he's like mourning for Marco or something and he's sloshed. Yep. Oh, yeah. I, I, so, um, oh, I'm amazed they actually use dates here. When they go to the flashback of uh, Alpha Flight training, it says Department H, 1974. Which is oh, interesting, because yeah. that's like, this is, um, 1974 would be by calendar date. Yeah. Before Wolverine joined the X-Men. Like, Yes, it would. I mean, obviously, we're not we're not following calendar time. He hasn't been part of the team for 15 years. <laughs> right. But it is interesting that, like, we could theoretically keep the same timeline and the story would fit. Very or maybe, yes, maybe we're still in the, because in the 1970s, they would talk about time as if time was flowing normally. People aren't aging, but time is still flowing by. Like, they'll talk in the 70s about stuff that happened back in 1967. Remember that vision? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Oh, like when we did our, our Avengers issue, Jason. Yes, yeah, they were very specific about timelines and stuff like that, yeah. That's... It was September 1968, do you remember? <laughs> right. Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, so I gotta say, I actually am a pretty big fan of Liefeld Shadowface most of the time. Um, the one of Heather reaching for the picture is a little too... Um, distasteful yeah. looking for me <laughs> oh that's a little that's a little weird yeah yeah, yeah it's a little black facey um since her hands aren't shadow right too. yeah so it would yeah, at least so. make sense it's like well, well 
you know, that doesn't, there's no point that the wild child, you know, face that works. Yes. It works very well. I think actually. Well, it's a good um, way to convey the fact that she's wearing luminescent lipstick, which is a very important part of her role as Vindicator right now. Right? Yes. I believe there's nanites in that lipstick. Is that, <laughs> yes. is that right? Yeah. But I really do like Heather. I don't know how y'all feel about Heather. No, um, I do too. I, oh, I yeah. love Heather. She's awesome. And it's funny because like, I only had the vaguest notion of Vindicator slash Guardian over the years because there were those early issues of Claremont X-Men where he brought in Alpha Flight. And for a long time, that was the only Alpha Flight I knew. So I always kind of felt like, you know, Heather was the other, you know, secondary to Mac, James McHudson or whatever his name is. And then I started actually reading the stories and... Really, James is not Guardian Vindicator. James is like a prelude to Heather. To me, Heather Hudson is the real Vindicator slash Guardian. Yeah, I can see that for sure. And I feel like if you actually count like the issues spent under the title, Heather, I think, wins. By a long shot. I mean, I don't know what happens after after the 80s, but in the 80s, Mac dies in issue 12, and then it's Heather, Heather, Heather. Yeah, Yeah, up until, well, you know. And speaking yeah. of Alpha Flight, either Rob knew Alpha Flight or he was actually listening to his editor because this the page with Heather there, like there's some Alpha Flight info that like he had had, had to actually pay attention for. Yeah. No, what he, specifically? He, hmm? What specifically? Well, just the fact that they're talking about the original members like, oh, there's Beta Flight, Diamond Lil, Flashback, Alec, all of them. Like those are really minor characters. I mean, he could have just had a picture of Wild Child and that's it. The fact right. that he used the rest of Beta Flight, like I said, either the editor told you know he was paying attention to his editor, or Rob was reading Alpha Flight and knew the characters. Yep, I think it's pretty cool. It's a nice little nod, and well, I'll save that for a second. But um, so we go to the the flashback of Wolverine in seventy four, remembering training with Wild Child and how much he hated him, and I got to say. Those claws are something else <laughs> when he's trying to slice that red robot. Um, they also go to his shoulder. Yeah, they might be twice the length of his whole arm, maybe. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> rather than that, I kind of like the robot. It kind of looks like something he would do. Kind of generic, like fighting Blood Wolf or somebody in Image. But um, I, I think it's a cool looking robot. Kind of it reminds me of the um, the disciples from Youngblood. Yes, yeah, I can see that as well. Yeah, yeah, it looks like a variation of the Mandroid armor. Yes, yeah. Mandroids are like the the model on which all other generic Android robotic forms are based. <laughs> Pretty much. Yep. All right. Well, anything else before we get to the the last page? Yeah, just my la- my. I was going to talk about the last page. I love the last page. Of course, we get a nice snicked. Um, but yeah, I, it's a nice full page. Wolverine um, takes off his eye patch, pops his claws in the alleyway. He just looks, he looks ready to rumble. I think it's great. I, I will say this for Rob, at least on this page. It's, I don't love it as much as you, but I don't, I'm far from hating it. I do like it. I will give him credit for this. He's using a different pose. It's not the traditional 
fist face fist up claws popping straight up in front of his face yeah he's actually doing a different pose mm-hmm. so this is um, something this shot taught me that you can't it, it, the internet is <laughs> i wasn't gonna bring that up but yeah the, the internet is not a safe place to share love for Rob Liefeld. No, it's really not. It's um, really I, not. I, I shared in a group that I normally really, really enjoy being a part of this group. I won't name the group because I don't want to call people out. But uh, it's a group I normally really enjoy being a part of. And I shared this. And I said, you know, sometimes Rob Liefeld is the best there is at what he does. And I got comments like, I guess that wasn't this time. So, <laughs> And all this other just bull crap. And one of the main complaints about this particular image is that the wrist was bent. And it's like, okay, I see what you're saying and why you're saying it, but isn't it conceivable that he could like pop his claws and then bend his wrist? Yeah. I don't yeah. see why not. Yeah. Cause well, once his are... claws are popped, he can move his wrist all he wants. Yeah. 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 And, and, and yeah. And there's precedent for him doing that all the time. <laughs> so, so anyways, yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, did you I see just, that conversation happen, Jason? Were you a part of that I group? did. Well, I, yeah, and I intentionally did not comment on it because <laughs> I didn't want to okay. get notifications for the rest of my life about it. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it makes me sad when people just, I don't know, can't enjoy things, but. But like you said, welcome to the internet. <laughs> so exactly. But no, I, I I normally don't always enjoy like lots of like cross hatching, but I think it works really well. Like in the back, the purple background here, um, it kind of makes you feel like you're just in a dirty, stinky alleyway. And I don't know, I just I really enjoy this page mm-hmm. a lot. Now I love for the most part. Liefeld's Logan face. And that may not be a very popular opinion, but I'm not going to back off of it. I think it's great. And I think his best image characters usually look like Logan. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean... Okay. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, the thing is that Rob Liefeld is, is, is known for making some pretty amazing gaffes in his art. But even so, the vast majority of the time, he's on point. He's just got a, a, a style to him that's that's a little bit unusual, but he's he's doing fine work. <laughs> I don't know what the deal is, but anyways. Yeah. Yep, I agree. Well, um I will I will tentatively ask this question. Are are you guys going to have vastly different opinions about the overall art story and claw rating between these three? Or do you want to save that till the end of the story? Hmm. I guess we, I mean, if they're short, I'm fine with doing them all together. Yeah, I can do, I can do one for this, for the whole wild child story. Okay, cool. All right. Well, who did I give number 52 to? To me. All right. Oh, before we get to 52, real quick, I just want to point out that even though he didn't do the main story, Fabian Nicieza did write a story in this issue. So every single issue we're covering does have Fabian Nicieza writing it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, he did the, uh, the, the Peregrine story. Yep. Yeah. 
right. And now he's helping write this one. Yep, he takes over the scripting job for uh, parts two and three of this. So Rob Liefeld is plotting and arting, and then Nisiesa is uh, scripting. And um, our cover artist today is Rich Howell. Yeah. And, And the Wolverine is fine, more or less, as far as a more cartoony Wolverine goes. But Wild Child just moved in from the funk side of ElfQuest. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Leprechaun, but that works too. Yeah. He looks very happy. Yeah. He does. He, yeah. Oh, me knocking charms. <laughs> <laughs> it's something. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of hate this cover. <laughs> so. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. All right. And Wolverine also has two right feet. What's up with that? What's up with all the bad feet? <laughs> oh, yeah, he does. Maybe, maybe sometimes there's a point about the internet and the feet. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, feet are they, hard. They said the same thing about Kirby and Ditko. They did. They did. Ditko even made a joke about it by having Peter Parker go to an art show. And there was a painting of a foot. <laughs> That's funny. And there's a person standing in the art show thinking, I wish I could draw feet like that. <laughs> I heard that. I've heard. Oh, wait, never mind. Anyways. I just, no, I just realized where I heard that from. You. From me. <laughs> That's funny. Years ago, uh, ASM Classics. Right, right. That's how I knew that. I'm like, I know that too. Oh, wait, I know it from you. I learned it from watching you. <laughs> I taught me everything I know. <laughs> All right. All I'll right. Your Go ahead. So I am the first cut is the deepest. Uh, this is the name of part two of the wilding featuring Wolverine. And um, so Wolverine is staking out Heather and Heather is on a hunt um, for wild child and Actually, I think Wolverine is taking out Wild Child's home and Heather's also there. So he's like stalking her. But she doesn't know that Wolverine's around because she doesn't know that Wolverine's alive. Because yeah. this is still in that era when the X-Men were believed to be dead and Hudson doesn't know any better. So um, Wild Child attacks her in her home. Um, doesn't really seem to explain why he's attacking her. He just does attack her. Well, I guess it's his own home, so I don't know. And... Uh, he chokes her. She, um, she's like gored almost like he, we don't see the actual wound, but he does something really, really bad to her abdomen. And, um, then Wolverine shows up while Heather's in the process of passing out and kicks wild child out of the house and they tussle and they thrash and they crash and they smash and uh, then Wolverine dashes back into the house to check on Heather. Wild Child's like, okay, you're going to come after me? You're going you're gonna to save her? You got a choice. You know, Superman, you don't have time to save both of those missiles. <laughs> and so Wolverine's like, well, crap, I'm not Superman. You're right. So he <laughs> saves Heather, takes her to the hospital. She still never knows he was there. Um, but he is able to get her to the hospital in time. They're able to do some surgery and save her life. And he's like, you know what? 
Wild Child's going down. I'm done playing Mr. Nice Wolverine and uh, let the hunt begin. Concludes next issue. All right. Uh, two things. One, I am very glad my mother does not live in Hackensack. <laughs> and two, actually, I thought, man, maybe I was wrong, but I thought from what I was reading here that Heather blasted him out of the window. See, I couldn't tell. I kind of feel like she did, too, because I think Wolverine's still outside. I mean, they don't show that either, but she does imply that she's wearing the suit underneath her clothes. Right. And she has her hand like at him like she's going to zap him. So I thought she zapped him out the window. Um, you could be right. But I'm not sure. It's, it's unclear at best. <laughs> yeah, there's a few there's things no, that are unclear. There's no other clear explanation. Wolverine is never shown as going into the apartment. Right. Um, in fact, it, 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 to all intents and purposes, he or to all appearances, he does go after Wild Child outside of the house. So I guess, yeah, the uh, there may be a little bit of a conflict between the art and the narration, because the narration definitely says the costume circuitry is not responding to the cybernetic signals, but yes, maybe it does. It does. <laughs> oh, and there's that, too. Yeah, there's a little... Yeah, it could go either way, I guess. Yeah. I just... I just write the one way. I didn't even think about it. So you did your synopsis. I'm like, oh, I guess it could go that way too. I like the idea of her blasting him away. Me it too. gives her a bit more agency in the scene. And right. uh, yeah, I like that more. I'm going to, I'm going to pretend it's that way. Yeah. Cool. And we get a cool snicked. Though is claws. What kind of like little rods more than claws. It's kind of interesting. Um, I used to have an action figure from Terminator 2, and he had a little claw that shot out of his arm that was supposed to be like the metal or whatever, and it kind of looked like this. <laughs> Made me think of that. But um, I love the panel, and I love I love the late 80s, early 90s action lines that a lot of those image guys did. Um, and those pink action lines of Wolverine lunging. Oh, yeah. Wow, child, looks great. Yeah, that's yeah. good stuff. And, I and that do, whole page is pretty awesome. I do also like on those last two panels, more of the fir- middle one actually than the other two, that while you kind of see what's going on, you almost don't see what's going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's almost off panel. That's kind of entertaining. You just kind yeah. of hear sound effects. I just want to know, in this, in the middle of this fight, where does, when does Wild Child get time to put his shoes on? <laughs> Does he not uh, have his shoes on at the beginning? No, look when he falls out the window. Yeah, right. his, his no clawed shoes. feet are almost grabbing the uh, the window, and then then he's got purple purple socks on. It was uh, cold out I'm there. I'm gonna say it's between him getting thrown back and Wolverine leaping at him on page five. Right between those two, while he's laying there, he sees Wolverine coming. He's like, "Oh crap, gotta yeah. get the shoes on." Yeah, because you know what I you know what, what I need to do when I kick this guy? I need to kick him with my sock instead of my claws. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's exactly what he's thinking. <laughs> well, to be fair, Wild Child that was Wild Child's house. He was home. You don't have to have his shoes on when he's home, but he's leaving. he went outside now. You put your shoes on when you go outside. Wild Child makes never perfect wears sense. shoes. He always wears the little the ballerina stirrups. Shh, logic. <laughs> yeah, but I do like the uh, the inferred 
history of animosity between them was pretty fun. And, um, yeah. And that look that Wolverine makes on his face when he has to make the decision of, of who, what to do is pretty priceless. Wolverine seems to have lots and lots of really, really passionately felt relationships that we never hear about until they're about ready to end. (laughs) Like either really good friends or really bad enemies that are just out there. And it's like, yeah, I want to go see my really good friend in Palo Alto. And oh, shit, he's dead now. (laughs) Right. Uh, Best friends in the world, Charlie. She lives in East Germany. Ah, crap. Spider-Man killed Right. The Wolverine solo series is full of that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. stories that half the issue is convincing you how important the other character is to Wolverine. And then, yeah, then he, he dies or he gets kidnapped or well, it's sort of a Claremont syndrome just to the nth degree. Cause Claremont really liked to bring <laughs> in like Harvey and Janet and give you like three caption boxes about Harvey and Janet's backstory. Just enough that you care about these people and then kill them and harvey and janet never have another (laughs) walk into sunsets right but Um, but he has to give you something so you care about their death right yeah i really like the creepy in this issue uh especially on pages two and three you know page two heather's creeping through the house yeah, and Wild Child comes up behind her. It's really great. And page three, especially like you were saying earlier, the shadow face with Wild Child on that third panel. Um, yeah. And here, you know, the Heather's mouth was awkward in the last issue, but here I think the teeth and the surreal presence of teeth helps increase the creepy. Yeah. Well, and I got to say the flashlight work on page two is really awesome. You, know, you have the kind of light shining at the viewer on that first panel, and then the light goes out and she drops it. It's, it's a pretty cool little effect and mm-hmm. kind of gives you like a kind of calling back to that, like the first cover, kind of that horror movie feel. Um, you, know, you can actually see this like playing out in live action the way you read it. It's, it's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. This is the part where the person says, oh, I'll, I'll go fu- investigate. Don't worry. And yeah. then, you know, Jason kills them. Right. Well, not me, but maybe me. Um, <laughs> Where were you also, on Friday the 13th? <laughs> right. Um, I'm going to call my lawyer. Um, <laughs> but, um, no, you're, also, you're safe. This came out on the 17th of April, so you're, you're There okay. you go. <laughs> <laughs> I also love the, uh, you know, on either side of Wild Child Shadowy Face, you have Heather going from pain and panic to, you know, I'm going to kill you sucker <laughs> like yeah like her facial expressions are really actually great and you know, like you said give her less of a i'm help me i'm a helpless woman to hey i'm the leader of alpha flight so suck it <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah because i like that better if she does shoot him because she looks pretty pissed in that last panel on page three yeah and it's good because otherwise this would be kind of like the old secret identity hijinks of the major character passing out right before Clark goes out, does a super feat out of costume. <laughs> right. So, so she does get at least a blast off before, before she passes out and Wolverine saves, you know, takes her to the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. But I was just thinking that this is such a perfect three act structure for this story that like the length and the setup of this story is perfect. 
Yeah, sometimes sometimes really well. M- MCP stories are too long. Um, occasionally, but not often, they're too short, and this feels like it's the perfect setup. Do you mean the whole story? Or you're just talking about this one this one issue. I'm talking about like the the three issues. Like we have the one okay. issue, the, just the way the story is spread and paced over the three issues. It's a three act structure, and it works really well. Yeah. Yep, I like it. And I really like the uh, the last panel as well, with kind of the the super fierce wild child and and hot pink, and then the very consternation looking Wolverine with his claws out. Um, it's pretty. Pretty great, like, yeah, stuff's going to go down for real next issue, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> right, and well, anything else on this middle part? What we Speaking of what you said before, we get another old friend of Wolverine's, Dr. Golosky. Oh, yeah. He Are gets to live, buddies? though. Uh, they know each other. It says, he patched me up a time or two in the past. He'll keep oh, quiet. Good right. man, smart man, knows the game. A good man, that's... a smart man, right? Right. <laughs> I think it's one of those, I don't want to explain why Wolverine drops him off in the hospital and nothing happens, so let's make this doctor someone he knew who knows how to keep his mouth shut. <laughs> but, but, yeah, no, it's very interesting. Yeah, although I guess they really have to do that. They could have just said, hey, I'm a concerned citizen. Here's the leader of Alpha Flight. <laughs> right, true. Yay, Canada. Blame Canada. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anything else on this one? I'm good. All right. Well, Mr. Al, you want to take us to number 53? Yep. <clears throat> Give me a second. All right. So this is the Wolverine story from Marvel Comics Presents 53. Animals Under the Skin or... It's also called the first cut is the first cut is the deepest. They screw okay. that up in here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's actually supposed to be animals under the skin. Part three of the wilding, same creative team as before, I believe. Uh, let's see. So the, well, according to the, I have, have a different inker, Chris Ivy and Joe Rubenstein did the inks this time. Oh, okay, they didn't do them before. I wasn't paying attention to fully to the creators on the other one. I didn't write those down. Alan okay. cares whenever it's his book. I do. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that, I guess. I only care um, about my comics. <laughs> so, so what, what do we got going on the cover here? Wolverine, uh, another not great cover. Yeah. Jade, Mo- oh, wait, who's the color? Fred Butler. We got I don't a- mind it. It's, uh, it's all right. Yeah, Wolverine in a black background, some kind of spotlight under his feet, and Wild Child dropping in. I kind of like Wolverine's pose. I kind of like his claws, but well, the cover does entertain me in the fact that it looks like Wild Child's trying to surprise him, and Wolverine is completely not surprised. Right? <laughs> it's like Wild Child is jumping, like I'm gonna sneak up on him. Wolverine just standing there with the claws straight up, like, okay, stupid, just fall on them, make it easy. Right? For <laughs> I've got the high ground, Anakin. <laughs> I it like doesn't the... help when you fall. <laughs> no. Those aren't just red, yellow specks. There's like sets of creepy Ice. eyeballs. I didn't yeah, even notice that. Huh. I like the Wolverine in this cover. I do not like the Wild Child. I like the Wild Child here less than the previous one. Yeah. Oh, wow. 
His face is just Garfunky. It's it's the scream mask. (laughs) It is the scream mask. It almost looks... Sorry, go on. I was going to say, I should stop wearing that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He almost looks like something where his eyes are on up, like, not next to each other. They almost look like on opposite sides of his head. Like, yeah. there's too much in between sticking out. His eyes oh, are... Oh, yeah, like almost a deer. Like yeah. a horse kind of... Huh. Interesting. He's very self-conscious about that, Ash. Stop pointing it out. <laughs> he might slice ya. Slice and dice ya. Point, 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 point. All right, so on the synopses. So, Wolverine is... Fi- um, let's see. Wolverine is fighting wolves while Wild Child watches. They're in the forest <laughs> of the Yukon. <laughs> Using his claws, Wolverine kills the wolves, and Wild Child is scared. Wolverine attacks and gets two claws around Wild Child's throat. Before he can decide if he wants to pop the third, another wolf leaps, on, leaps onto his back, and he kills that too. Wild Child runs to a fallen log that acts like a bridge over a long drop onto a river. However, it can't take the weight of both of them, and they fall. Wolverine eventually drags himself out of the river, and even though he attracted Wild Child all the way from Ottawa, which is near New York, and the Yukon is near Alaska, he decides, ah, I'm going to let him go. <laughs> the end. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> oh, your knowledge of geography just ruined this for me. <laughs> oh, I goodness. was not thrilled with the third part of the story. Yeah, it definitely was my least favorite. Um, so just just, just, really... just to clarify, the, the narrative reason that he's letting Wild Child go is because of water. But he did track this guy across a continent. Yeah. Surely there was water. Yeah. Somewhere. Yeah. He's just bored. Yeah. He's like, look, enough of this crap. I got other things to do. It's 1990. I'm Wolverine. I'm in every damn book. Okay. <laughs> I don't have time to be camping out. My va- This is my vacation, buddy. Okay. I've been camping out here with you for two weeks. I got to go to work. Right. I got to get back to Australia. Yeah. X Men stuff. I got my own book. I got to do things with Spider Man, probably. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm less than a year away from being in the FF. Yeah, it's not too far away. Um, yeah, uh, what? I don't appreciate how gorily he kills animals, but and that not doesn't really that. feel like Wolverine to me either. No, no, but. that Wolverine would rather knock them out than kill them, and I'm not really sure. Does Wild Child have wolf powers? Well, I was wondering that too. Is it like Ant Man where he talks to the wolves and like makes them attack Wolverine? Because I feel like he's just kind of like, yeah, go, buddies. <laughs> I kind of feel like the narration implies that the wolves are being subverted, but I think that would be even more reason for Wolverine not to kill them. Right. Yeah. Like they can't control themselves. It's not their fault. He would be sympathetic to the wolves. And as we all know from the Wolverine movie, Wolverines are wolves. So <laughs> they do howl at the moon, apparently. Right. <laughs> all those howling Wolverines. <laughs> <laughs> so I think he's not going to kill his brothers. Right. I'm sorry, Jeffy. But yeah, oh, this one was my least. I mean, for one thing, it's my least favorite of out of all of them. I mean, I don't the yeah that doesn't track him just killing the animals like that. It doesn't make sense why they're fighting to help Wild Child, and 
And I'm not a guy, I mean, he's not my favorite artist, but I'm far from the person who's going to, like, let's mock Rob Whitefield drawings constantly, and that's it. Because, for one thing, he always brought a huge energy to it. Like, when he started doing New Mutants, it got super exciting. Right. But this first page, that Wolverine... Yeah, it's pretty terrible. I'm a fan of that. You got broken legs, and... <laughs> the, the underwear look like they're made out of metal. And it looks like it's, like, two feet... Tall, <laughs> yeah. I think it gets better though as the book goes on. Um, I really like uh, some of the faces Wolverine makes on pages two and three. Um, That's a little better, yes. Yeah, and the panel of him with his classic arms out on page five, I think, is a pretty great panel. I, I am entertained by the scared wild child faces. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Especially that one where he's got the two claws on either side of yes. his neck. And it, yeah. And it, I like how like he's doing the shadow face, but you can see the sides of the face are not shadowed. It's only the oh, yeah. upper part of the face that are shadowed. That's because of the light reflecting off the claws. And I, you know, I really dig the whole effect of half of my mask is ripped off. And so it's still a symmetrical wing effect. Right. One wing is mask and one wing is hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it's kind of cool. It's a neat it, effect. It works better there on like page five than it did on page one, I think. Oh, yeah, yes. page one. Page one, he just wasn't being careful with his, you know, with his anatomy. You got things going in lots of different directions. And then we and again page like page five when he's like charging to go over the uh, the log looks better there. Yes, yeah, I think it looks pretty great. And I found he does Wolverine's body hair really cool. I think. So I'll, I'll sorry, go on. I just, I just have a quick question. Do y'all know what rolls downstairs alone or in pairs and runs over your neighbor's dog? What fits on your back and is great for a snack? It's log, log, log. <laughs> it's log, it's log. It's big, it's heavy, it's wood. It's log, it's log. <laughs> it's better than bad, it's good. good. <laughs> well, there's only two ways it can go, John. Which way do you want it to be? <laughs> <laughs> so, Al, I, I agree with you, I think. Wolverine got on the log and maybe between the adamantium skeleton and wild child's weight, it broke, but it kind of looks like he stomps it in half on purpose. <laughs> it does look a little bit that way. Obviously the narration makes it not be that way. And I do like right. the narration yeah, yeah. there where it's like, just when you think you have a say of what's what in this world, the world puts you in your place. Right. So that I'm fine with that happening. I just wish they had some other way to end the story. Yeah, it's it's kind of a letdown. It's like, oh well. Especially since in the first issue they kind of imply he didn't just attack Heather. He was being a serial killer. He's killed like ten people. Right. Yeah. Serial <laughs> killer. Yeah, he's yeah. the sort of guy that Wolverine would want to put down. I mean, right. why is Wolverine chasing after Wild Child in the first place? I mean, he's because he was doing all the murdering and because Wolverine knows that he's a terrible person. Right. Yeah. Back from their days in 
um, Weapon X together. Yeah. You know, Department H. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right, well, overall, you have a couple of the Liefeld foibles, but overall, I thought the art in this arc was pretty great. Um, like Al said, you know, love and hate him, you cannot deny Liefeld's kinetic energy, and there's a lot of that here, and a lot of play with Shadow and stuff that I really dug. Uh, what do you guys think of the art overall? Oh. I think, go ahead, go now. Sorry, we're both waiting for the other that we think, oh, he's not going to talk. <laughs> um, overall, it was pretty decent. I mean, there were some points where, and I have to wonder, speaking of that, maybe Rob just gets too excited when drawing. Because I'm looking here, like page five and six, Wolverine, as you're looking at it, his body's getting bigger than his head. And I'm just wondering <laughs> if that's just Rob. But the Wolverine in that first panel on page six almost looks a little rushed. So it almost looks like he was getting just so excited drawing this that he was just kind of going a little too faster than he should have. You know, he was trying to get to the end of the page. But overall, it's decent enough for Rob Life on art, especially since it's all him. You know, there's no yeah. other inker. It's just him doing it. Well, it's actually, not perfect. Or was yeah. there? Well, so this issue had different inkers and two different ones. Oh, you're right. This and is I the think one that had the between inker. five and six is where the ink changes. So no. I wonder how much... Is- yeah, so I wonder if some of that is the inking. Yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. Because I was a little happier with the art in the first two than the third part. Yeah. So, but I would, that I would could agree be with that as well. That could be part of the reason why as well. But overall, decent enough art. I didn't hate it. Didn't make me want to pull my eyes out. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not trying to mean like it's just, you know, it was right, just yeah. that side of horrible. I'm just saying like there was nothing horrible about the art. It was decent. It was pretty good. I enjoyed it. Didn't detract from the story for the most part. There you go. So I want to be the uh, editor who puts on the back of the book, like in the recommendations and the critics reviews and everything did not make me want to pull my eyes out. (laughs) (laughs) I'm helping. (laughs) It's shaking bacon. I helped. Um, So, yeah, I mean, Yes, there are a few places where things got a little bit out of control. Um, but overall, the art in this is really fun. Um, I think it's perfectly suited to this type of story. Yeah. Uh, th- this type of story is not a hugely emotional issue so much as just, ah, I freaking hate this guy and I want to <laughs> kill him. And that's exactly what Wolverine looks like the entire time. Right. Yeah. Which is not the only way that, uh, you know, Liefeld can draw Wolverine. It's just how he does it in this issue, and it works really well. Um, so, yeah, I'm not a huge art critic, um, but this, this this was fun. Yeah, I liked it. So, um, what, what would y'all – oh, wait, what about the writing? How did y'all feel about the, the pacing of the story and all that? Other than wrapping it up a little bit quickly there at the end, I thought this worked really, really well. And honestly, all you needed was a little bit different scripting. The um, I think the the visuals of the story do a successful job of wrapping up the story. Uh, you just you just needed to tweak the script a little bit and make it a little bit easier to swallow on why this is all over. Yeah, if they if the script had said something about how he's just in the woods outside of uh, where were they? Oh, I said Ottawa. Yeah, Ottawa. 
then at least you can see more reason why he would let him go. You know, if he just tracked him from outside of town, you know, this is tomorrow. And then he's all the way down the river. That's one. I could at least give that a little more credence. But when you're telling me he went across the country and then that's it, I'm like, okay, you're what? You just want to end the story. Yeah. It's kind of like it's over because it's over. I think another really easy fix is to give Wolverine a reason to leave. Like maybe the hospital calls and, oh, Heather just woke up or or took a turn for the worse and needs, you know, or the X-Men needs something. Like, like there's, there's plenty, Wolverine's got a lot going on. There's plenty of excuses and other things that could pull him away from this. And I think just a quick sentence about, hey, I got to go do this instead makes makes the ending a lot more palatable. But I think other than the ending, um, actually, I mean, it was a fun little romp. I mean, you have the kind of the, the flirting with seeing Heather again, but not quite seeing her. She doesn't really know he's there. Um, kind of have the history maybe maybe built and created for this story, but I like the, the historical animosity between the characters. Um, and Fabian definitely in the second uh, chapter particularly kind of helped move the story along. But I even thought Reifeld's writing in the first one was pretty good. I mean, the in the internal narration seemed fine. It fit, felt like it fit Wolverine for the most part. So I thought overall the story flowed pretty well right up until the last page. It feels like um, I'm actually kind of surprised I'd forgotten that uh, Nisiesa wasn't involved in the first chapter because the the timing of these issues, the the third part comes out at the beginning of May, and Nisiesa's first Alpha Flight issue comes out in the middle of June, so it really feels like this story is a deliberate setup to the to some backstory between Wolverine and Wildchild right. to help serve that story. Um, since since Nisiesa didn't come up with a story, since he's only scripting a Liefeld story, it's almost like, okay, this is here, so I'm going to use it more than I'm putting this here because I want to use it. Yeah, it can be. It's, that kind of stuff's always interesting. And kind of the, the inside baseball of how, how that stuff all gets assigned out. And, you know, did Liefeld pitch this story? Was it was it handed to him? Did he just say, hey, I want to write something? And I'm like, hey, write this, <laughs> you know? Right. So, it's all, yeah, it's really, really interesting. But, but it definitely, intentional or not, they definitely use it as, I think they even refer directly to it yes. in this next Alpha Flight story. Mm-hmm. They do. So. And, and, and that they, part makes it a little better, you know, because at least fine, eventually Wolverine catches back up. So we're actually going to get some specific timing on this. This is a bit of a flashback story. So it's kind of a flashback within your flashback episode. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Because there's a one year gap between this and the Alpha Flight issue that came out the next month. Yeah. So this is a little bit of a back in time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, buddy. All right. Well, what do y'all want to, what do you want to grade this wilding story? What do you think, Al? Um, I'm trying to remember. What do we use for grading? Or are we just uh, make it up? Out of six claws. Okay. Out of six. I'm going to give it. Okay, then. I'm going to give it four. Because I'm giving basically. It's technically three stories. So I'm giving it two claws per story. Because overall, I enjoyed the first two parts. 
I really did. For the most part, art pretty good. Story worked. Everything fine. And then for me, between more of the art issues, whether it was just it was Rob or also the inking, happened in this issue. The whole story thing with Wolverine and also the you know giving up and also with the killing the wolves, like the the third part for me just doesn't work as well. So four out of six. Hmm. Very good. It feels like more than a three, but less than a four. <laughs> I feel like four is a little high because the first two parts are really solid. The second or the third one just kind of lets it fall. But you know, like I said, if if you enjoy, if you ignore the scripting, the most of the art on that third part works pretty well too. Um, it's just, you know, the fighting McFightenstein at the end of the story. So I guess I'm going to round up to four. You could do 3.75. Okay. <laughs> or 3.25. Depends where you feel more better. It's the shot from the movie where the you watch the claw come out of the right. skin and like moves yeah. out a little bit, you know. <laughs> there you go. Um, well, I'm going to be right there with you guys for pretty much the same reasons. Um my original notes, I had a four, four, and a three, uh, but I, I give the whole story four out of six um, with my same reservations about the, the third part that you guys both just expressed, so I won't repeat them all. But um, yeah, no, I felt like it was a it was a fun, solid story that, that could have ended better, <laughs> but overall, I enjoyed it. All right, well, oh, I didn't want to mention, too, in case anyone's interested in reading along, uh, Liefeld also does a Black Widow Silver Sable story in this last issue as well. Oh, really? yes, that's right. And I almost forgot to mention um, page 30 is really cool looking. Yes, yeah. The one with the Eiffel Tower in the background and it's uh, a nine panel grid but without the panels of Black Widow and uh, Silver Sable fighting. Yeah, it's pretty oh, cool. Oh, this is, this is some good stuff. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's nice. And I mean, you know... One page is just awesome. Yeah. And evil Tony Stark that they're fighting. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what this issue is, I mean, honestly, surprisingly lacking? Oversexed imagery of them. Yeah. No, it's pretty natural looking as far as the figures and the fighting um and there's no like really amped up you know strutting stance shots i mean there's a couple of poses but i mean this could have been so much more over the top and it's really really just not yeah there's no natasha's costume doesn't have as deep a cut as it could have you know it could have been drawn with right on on the chest so like it's not as revealing and during the fight one, even though half the time Silver Sable is, well, one of them is facing away from us, but that's because they're fighting. It's not really like a big accentuation of, you know, hey, look at her ass. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's pretty good. And the colors work really well on that story as well, I thought. Yeah. Now, if this was the third part, I would have been six claws. <laughs> <laughs> right. We'll just sub it in. <laughs> that's funny copy and paste there you go welcome to the digital age all right well so from wilding to building blocks we have a four-part story in alpha flight from issues 87 to 90 um 
part one loyalty written by uh, Fabian Nicia, that, is, that guy. Um, <laughs> Consoled by Michael Bear, inked by Mike Manley, letters by Janice Chang, and colors by Bob Sharon. And the covers, which I think are some of the highlights of the book, are by Jim Lee. Um, this first cover has a green cloudy wolverine in the background and then the foreground we have wild child trying to kill um uh the goblin's sister as alpha flight angrily is prepared to fight back i like this first cover a lot what do you guys think well yeah it may be by the issue <laughs> there you go yeah i you know, even though it's the background, the the looming Wolverine is definitely the highlight of the cover. Yeah. yeah I, I don't know about you, but I, I read everything else in this cover after that. And it's funny because every cover has Wolverine on there somewhere. And I'm usually not the one to go towards a cynical view of this sort of thing, but it really feels like a let's sell some books by putting Wolverine on the cover. <laughs> Well, especially the next one. But we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute, I guess. Um, <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure that's what they were trying to do. Yeah, yeah. That's guess, lately what they were doing. starring Wolverine. Um, so these issues are pretty dense, but I will make my synopsis as uh, light as possible here. Uh, and still covering everything. Um so sometime later, after our previous story, uh, we, we will find out is about a year, um, Logan sneaks into Canada and fights some Mounties. His healing factor seems to be acting up. His hands aren't healing, and the poor guy just can't get a smoke anymore. Um, Roxon does some stuff. Alpha and Gamma Flight track down Wild Child. However, Wild Child wipes the floor with them and escapes into a crowd. Uh, in a timeline I had a little bit of trouble keeping up with uh, Alpha Flight regains Canada's respect until Wild Child escapes I'm not sure which escape this is um, well that's a flashback yeah, yeah I, I just, but is it like is it escaping for this story is it escaping for our previous story how long was the I don't, I don't really know how, how long he was supposed to be loose but um but the search for oh, there's also a search for Puck subplot, which I thought was fun. And then um, at the end here, Logan finds Wild Child in the park and tosses him at Heather's feet. The way I read the timeline on this is you have last issue where like they bring in Gamma Flight. You have the flashbacks from this issue where they're at the hearing and Wild Child escapes. And then you go into the main part of this issue where Wolverine's hunting down Wild Child. Um, although it feels like it should be connected to the MCP story, I don't think we actually are connected plot-wise to that story. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of how I read it. That Wild Child, when he stabbed Laura, was 20 minutes ago in the hearing. Gotcha. Okay. At least that's how I read it. The um the complete Marvel reading order site does have them as being one right after the other, but every other source that I looked at, in, and I think even in the story they say a year ago, right? Yeah, they do. But um, but yeah, Alpha, uh, this is the beginning of Nicias's run on Alpha Fly. This is the first thing he's doing. Oh, okay. Yep. So I I read Alpha Flight um 
up to like the mid fifties, early sixties. So do y'all, John, you said you've been reading it kind of straight through. What's kind of happening immediately before this? I would have looked that up. <laughs> That's okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> there has been, um, I think it was James D. Hudnell was writing before this, and um, I did not enjoy Hudnell's run, but I believe there was um, Omega Flight was introduced, uh, and they were introduced as an antagonist team because they were the ones as Gamma Flight who took down Mac. Um, right. And now they're back as Omega Flight, and they're acting instead of as antagonists, they're trying to replace Alpha Flight as the primary heroes for Canada. So they're they're still antagonists, but in the sense of replacements rather than bad guys. Um, And then there's this huge supernatural storyline involving this character called the Sorcerer, and if I remember right, there's like dimension hopping and some people spend some time in an alternate supernatural dimension um and it's weird and it goes on i think maybe 75 issues too long i'm not exactly (laughs) sure how long it lasted but um but they resolve all of that and they have omega flight slash gamma flight and um of course ever since the beginning of the series alpha flight's status has been um questionable at best but right. these events have brought them to a place where now canada can say you know what maybe you are a superhero team that we paid for and endorsed and sponsored by our government and maybe should do that again so that's where we are here all right and that's the rest of the story <laughs> <laughs> This is um, this is Windshear's first appearance. Which one was Windshear? Windshear is the guy who works for Roxxon. Oh, okay, okay. Who's in the armor? Yeah, right. The, the blue and yeah. white, and maybe green armor. Yeah, gotcha. and while he's okay. yeah, it's the first appearance, and he's not a member. But considering the fact that he's in the corner box for every issue, I'm wondering if that was a hint. <laughs> oh yeah, right. Okay. When you start off the book with a double snicked, a cold night in British Columbia just got hot. (laughs) I do like how they do the first page for each issue with the, the first, like the, 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 what was that? The left third of the page is the credits. And also each one has its own little uh, caption on the top, like explaining what's going on with the story. I do like how that that's done design wise. Yeah. Yeah. It's a neat neat, uh, layout. Um, okay, so it's been a while since I read this, but you're more in this time, Jason. Um, I, there I don't was have the this, answer to the question you're about to ask. <laughs> there was this subplot that lasted a long time about Wolverine's healing factor failing. And I've heard that Claremont was actually working toward killing Wolverine. Yeah. Maybe during Extinction or something else around that time, and right. that ended up not happening. But if I remember right, this subplot about Wolverine's healing factor failing, the subplot just disappears. Yes, if, yeah. if my memory serves correctly. So doing a little bit of disservice in the fact that we're not – so if you're listening to the episodes, we're not – to this in Uncanny X-Men or the Wolverine solo series yet. Um, 
because this does come out a little later. Like I said, these two kind of went together, so I wanted to do them together. But yeah, um, they don't. I don't really know. If there's any specific reason ever given at all for what is going on, um, and I think it does just kind of get dropped um, when they realize that Wolverine's is going to be in every issue of everything Marvel does ever. <laughs> Didn't it kind of start around the same about the time of uh, Uncanny Two Fifty One when he gets like beaten severely by the Reavers and crucified? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So they talk about that stuff is not working as well, but it doesn't really get into full swing for a little bit. Because um, he's off his feet for a long time after that yes. crucifixion. Yeah, he is, yeah. and Jubilee has to rescue him, and then so right now in Uncanny which actually comes out a little bit before this. Um, Jubilee and Psylocke are running around with with Wolverine uh, trying to figure out where they're going to go next, how they're going to try to reconnect with the X-Men. And, you know, it's funny because some issues Wolverine seems really sluggish and tired. And then like the one I just covered, uh, Sylvester's last issue, he's just like jumping around like Wolverine. I mean, nothing's really different. So I don't, I don't know if they'd really figured out exactly how they wanted to play this, and I don't know if they ever really do, to be honest. Yeah, because wasn't he also kind of crazy? Because, like, wasn't he hallucinating Nick Fury and, uh, and Carol Dan Nimbers a lot? Well, he was, but then Psylocke could also see them. So that that's to be resolved in our flashback episodes. But, yeah, there, I mean, there's a lot, a lot going on with Wolverine because he kind of gets in and out of the focus of Uncanny during this period. Um He'll yeah. kind of be the, the main story, and then he'll kind of disappear for a few issues. Um, so, yeah, and then once once Jim Lee takes over in force, obviously, he either he just really likes drawing or the fans just really like seeing his Wolverine. So Wolverine jumps back into prominence in the book. But, um, but yeah, because this, this issue, uh, I was checking, the same month as this issue of Alpha Flight was X-Men 265 and 266. So that's when Storm's a kid, and then it's the first Gambit issue. So there's yes. no Wolverine there. Oh, that's right, right before Extinction Agenda. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I remember, I'm trying to remember exactly what he said because I saw Claremont at a at, uh, for a panel several years ago at a convention, and he was talking about some things. And I remember him talking about how he wanted to kill Wolverine. And I thought, I'm trying to remember, I believe what he had said was that his plan was, and maybe they reused it later on, was that he was going to have the hand bring him back. And Wolverine oh. was going to be in the book, but as a villain for a while. Oh. They do eventually do something kind of like that uh, with the enemy of the state storyline. Yes, thing about the enemy of the state, yeah. Yeah. You know, Wolverine, he is the best there is at what he does, and what he does is have a whole lot going on. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a complicated man. He's got a lot of drama going on for somebody who doesn't like yeah. drama. Right. <laughs> And then how it goes, though, the people who are allowed about hitting drama are always the most dramatic people you know. Yeah. Side note, uh, completely unrelated to everything, my favorite Wolverine moment was in an issue of Mini Marvels where they're having cake, and he pops his claws, <laughs> and he cuts the cake, and they're like, wait a second. Did he clean those? Yeah. Were those just in his in arms? Body. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> My daughter, my daughter, so much of her knowledge of mid-2000s Marvel continuity 
is mini marvels like she knows a nice. lot more than she should because she didn't read any of it but she read mini marvels so she has That's like a funny. vague parody understanding of civil war and secret invasion and all that <laughs> well going with that then real quick and then i'll go back to the, the, the actual issue every i keep thinking my thought of venom always is the yes! mini marvels version where it's like he's working he's on scouts or he's trying to sell cookies or something and like the little <laughs> venom head pops up on the side i want to eat your brains like out of, <laughs> out of his shoulder and neck it's just like right there <laughs> yeah that's funny um okay i love nemesis's look i wish she had more character to go with yeah. the really cool look yeah yeah you mean she spawn yeah, or or <laughs> like Deadpool or slash Spider Man had right. a love child with a cape. Yeah, 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 yeah. Although she does predate both of them. I mean, Deadpool and Spawn. So yes, she does. I think we said Deadpool and Spider Man, and I was like, "Hold on, child." <laughs> Spider Man hasn't appeared yet, has he? <laughs> Not enough <Yeah>. flight. <laughs> Ooh, no, Spider Man's been gone since the seventies. He's about to return in Amazing Number Three Ninety Four. Oh, <laughs> Hello? yeah, but I agree, though, other than her magic fencing sword, there's not a lot going on there. Um, yeah, uh, there's some interesting Sasquatch faces. Yeah, I think, that I think isn't page 21 the one you tweeted about him being in a musical? John, yes. <laughs> so, page twenty-one. He's like, he looks like he's singing to the balcony. Yeah. The last panel, yeah. I will give you a headache. You would not believe. <laughs> okay, and there weren't so many words in this issue. We would do a musical version, <laughs> but it would take us an hour and a half. <laughs> By the way, this is my, even though we're doing a, you know, this is a Wolverine-centric podcast, this is my favorite story arc in this story arc. The uh, Search for Puck with uh, Shaman, Talesman, Sasquatch, and Aurora. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I I like them together. They're like, you could just, it's like like four old friends who are just like, okay, we gotta go find the other one. Let's go. Right. Yeah. And you don't really see it so much in this arc, but there's an underlying tension with um, Box and Diamond Lil because there's been kind of a will they, won't they going on. And Heather has been trying not to be jealous. And, you know, Box says he's devoted to Heather and he has put off Diamond Lil's advances, but they do eventually hook up. Like, yeah. Down okay. the road. So um, don't they get married? They might. I haven't gotten that far yet, but yeah. Um, so it's it's kind of a thing that you don't expect it to actually go that way, and then it does. Yeah, well, it's definitely obvious at the very least that she's into him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking at page 22, and we start to get our first hints of the fact that there's, you know, this big nebulous Superman 3, not Brainiac kind of uh, threat going <laughs> on. And um, on panel 6... Um, where is it? Your boss is working on the mother of all VCRs, or are they just hell bent on taking over the world? <laughs> and I'm like, yes, a VCR is the epitome of mechanical electronics. Yes, that's exactly what we've got <laughs> <Yes>. going on. <laughs> oh, speaking of them being there, by the way, going back real quick to was it page 13, where they're on the 
or 14 somewhere where they're on the uh yeah 13 where they're where they're on the the hearing yeah, yeah thank you words general clark is a dick from the beginning here because he's the one that's saying oh where's madison jeffries and diamond lil i forgot did you say they were with the others and then we find out here that he's the one that sent them to help Roxon. <laughs> so not only is he has sending these guys on a mission without telling heather but then he's being a dick to her being like so heather where are the other two did you say they were with the others i don't remember hearing their names hmm hmm <laughs> oh that's i i missed that nuance that's delightful I'm like, oh, you're such a jerk. Um, I don't have a whole lot else to say because a lot of this uh, Alpha Flight drama that's not even really tied necessarily into this arc. Um, let's see. Mugshot a- is a lot chattier, this issue. He even has a part where he does a, a bloody monkey song. <laughs> oh, yeah. I saw her blood. No, I'm a believer. Not a trace of red on my hands. But wouldn't he want his blood on her hand? I know I wasn't really sure. But um, but yeah, no, he's he's uh he's very um bantery in, in this yeah. version. He was in yeah. a bad mood the other day. The yeah, other he day. must have been a year ago. Yeah, he was cranky. <laughs> The only other thing I know what I well, have about this... He's, he's developed social skills being part of Gamma Flight. There you go. That makes sense. Yeah, the only other real note I have on this issue is... Um, it's actually for all four of them. Is that guy Higgins from uh, Roxxon? Is he supposed to be like what John Constantine would be like if he went corporate? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. He feels like a Henry Peter Gyrick kind of character. Yeah. And- and the arc ends with him being like, oh, Alpha Flight, I'll get you. So I go to see, okay, when does he show up again? Never. <laughs> well, or at I least Complete Marvel can. Reading Order has not charted another appearance of Sir Michael Higgins. That's funny. Um, I thought he did, but I could. Be, it's been so long since I read anything beyond these four issues, I could be wrong. And, and they could have missed it, but yeah, I, I didn't see another one. Um, page 27, we get a... One of the cool things about this arc is that we get a lot of Heather narration. And I do really like Heather, as I said earlier. Oh, yeah. Um, I feel like Niciesa is bringing out a bit too much lack of self-confidence. I kind of feel like Mac's been dead for 75 issues. Heather should be feeling some more self-confidence. But as I was typing that, I was thinking there were all those years where she was his number two and it just might not feel super normal for her yet. Like, like the new normal hasn't become normal for her. And so she's still kind of wishing he was around, but maybe, maybe I'm rationalizing. I feel like she should be. Um, I, I think. Kind of... Go ahead now. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, I kind of go what you're saying there. I mean, I understand that. Although I think, one of the reasons he did this was story-wise, because this yeah. story arc does bring Mac back. So they're going to do this whole back-and-forth thing with that of, you know, her thinking about him and he's coming back here. But, I mean, also, you're right on that part in the fact that he was in charge for several years. He died in issue 12, but Alpha Flight was around for a while before issue 1. And they do they do say here explicitly he's been dead for two years and she didn't become Vindicator right away. Like, he dies in 12. Doesn't it take, like, issue 34 before she puts on the, uh, gets a suit of her own? 
Like, she's just a normal person until that point. Could be. I've only read through once. I don't remember a lot of the details from those early issues. I didn't realize it was such a long gap. Yeah, I remember there, from what I read, I haven't read a lot of Alpha Flight, like the earlier part issues, but I thought so. So if that's the case, then, if he's been dead two years, maybe she's only been Vindicator for like a year and a half or less. Mm-hmm. So if she's only been that for a year and a half and he was Guardian for five years, it's still yeah. kind of a new, it's still a new raw pain for her. I mean, yeah. That's the problem with the sliding timeline sometimes. Is that like we're reading the thing going, <laughs> look, it's been 10 years. I know you, I'm not saying don't miss your spouse, but you can not think about them every other second, right? Meanwhile, for them, it's like, look, it's been like six months. Okay. Right. I haven't been a widow for a year. Give me some time to process. Our time, our, our years are different. And even if, even if it's been a while, if, if, it's been a while. if the status quo was there for a significantly long time, then the new normal is not going to feel normal. I mean, you, you're, you, you mentioned the dead spouse a moment ago. That's a great analogy. If you're married for someone for 20 years, that's just the way your life is. Five years after you lose them, you might be done mourning. That doesn't mean you're used to the new life because right. you had that other one for you know for so long. So it could be some of that. Yeah, and I don't really think, except for Wolverine, which is somebody that she knew for a long time and was practically a family member to her for a long time, she doesn't really let out this that that feeling of inadequacy or the feeling of uh, uncertainty that's all inner monologue she's still the boss to alpha flight and gamma flight as far as they're concerned that's a good point what goes on in a character's head and the way they present themselves can be two very different things and that's that can be a very important part of storytelling you know it's like spider-man you know he might be freaked out about aunt may on the inside because you know she's dying again or marrying some other villain or something (laughs) But outside, he's just, you know, running the mouth off. And he could be really sympathetic in his own book, but in everyone else's book, he's a jerk. <laughs> yep. And then Wolverine shows up on the last page. Hi, yeah. sorry, I'm dead. Sorry, I'm right. not. Yeah. Does anybody really say hello instead of hello? Hello. Yeah, uh, I do. No. Nope. Uh, maybe. I don't know. But yeah, he's, he's like, long time no see. Uh, you see my shirt anywhere? Looking for my shirt. <laughs> Wolverine practices these entrances. He's like, okay, I got these cool jackboots. <laughs> what did you say, John? Sorry, John, what? John? I'm sorry, I said um, something tells me that clothing and claws don't always go together. Right, yeah. <laughs> Wolverine likes being naked. He looks like uh, when he's punching Wild Child, he looks like uh, with hair, the guy that fights Indiana Jones in the airstrip. Oh, and Raiders. Yeah. And he's gloves got these, and everything. These black yeah. gloves and horse riding pants and jack boots. <laughs> Barrel chested. You're going to see the next page, all of a sudden there's a plane right behind him. <laughs> right. <laughs> Chops Wild, wild Child up. <laughs> That's funny. So, all right. Well, what did you guys think of this art? The art's weird. Yeah, I don't really like it. It's the layouts are good. I like a lot of the times the general look of the page, but then you like focus on the details of people's faces and some of that line work is just strange. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I've liked Michael Bear and other things. I like this one enough. I have to go back and read them enough because I'm not up enough on my art of stuff to know whether it's him or if it's the inking that's making me not like this, you know, his art in Alpha Flight as much as I have liked in other ones. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. But his art does have like a, his art's always had a bit of a moodiness kind of to it. Right. So. All right. Well, um, I enjoyed the Wolverine part and I enjoyed, uh, like you said, the subplots. There's some interesting subplots going on in this book. Um, not being completely current on Alpha Flight, it did take me a second to kind of figure out how things were arranged, but I think y'all y'all sorted it out for me pretty well. So, um, yeah. Y'all want to grade these as we go or wait till the end again? I'm good either way. I don't think mine's going to vary much as we go. Yeah, I can wait till yeah. the end. All right, cool. Well, John, are you 88? I am no, I'm 39. But uh, thanks for aging me up there, buddy. Uh, all I got to do is get in a car, and I can hop in it. It can travel through time with my 88 miles go. per hour. Okay, that didn't that didn't work. We're gonna keep on going, and then you're gonna see some serious shit. <laughs> right. So I, I teach middle schoolers, and I try to you know keep their keep their attention by occasionally popping jokes, and so many times the jokes just don't get a rise. So I'll just be like, okay, we'll just keep on going. Um, issue eighty eight <laughs> came out July tenth, nineteen ninety. Um, NCA says writing bear is penciling. We got some manly inks and Chang letters, and <laughs> um, we're sharing the colors around. And I don't know where that finger was, Mister Editor. Um, <laughs> And Tom DeFalco. So, uh, <laughs> and Tom DeFalco as the beaver. <laughs> um, some guy who has Wolverine's hair is on this first page. And yeah. um, I'm not entirely. Oh, well, we got to talk about the cover first. I'm sorry. I skipped the cover. Yeah. So, I really like this cover. Yeah. The cover is Windshear, Box, and Forge being attacked by the robot woman from Superman 3. <laughs> And then a cameo of Wolverine, was it number 37? Oh, is that is that specifically lifted from another issue? Yeah, it's one of my favorite covers. Um, dang it, is it? Maybe it's 27, 28, one of those. I think it's 27. Yeah, because yeah, Wolverine's only up to issue 30 here. Yeah. Yeah, it's from, this is from a Wolverine 27, which is one of my favorite Jim Lee covers. Um, it's him, that famous pose of him kind of launching through the air with his claws out, and this is just the cutout of the face of that. So he's just okay. copying from himself. That's okay, then. Yeah. I'm fine with that. But it's also featuring X-Men's Forge and guaranteed the most shocking ending of the year. You know, it's... It's a pretty intense ending. I, I will give them that. Um, I was not a, the 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 uh, the figure at the center here, which we hardly even got to look at the first issue, um, is pretty uh, pretty big deal. As we're going to find out as we go here. Okay, so um, as I said, um, I was trying to imply that Michael uh, Michael Bear has done a really really great face on this first page. I'm just not entirely sure it's Wolverine's face. <laughs> right. 
no argument we pick, there. We pick up with Vindicator being pissed that Wolverine is still alive and never bothered to call. Um, meanwhile, Aurora, Talisman, Shaman, and Sasquatch are still looking for Puck. Maybe he is also alive and hasn't bothered to call. Um, <laughs> they have teleported to the Black Hills of South Dakota, which is a bit of an international problem because it's not Canada, but shh, don't tell Heather. Okay. <laughs> and they get attacked by ugly naked guy uh, with evil spaghetti fingers. <laughs> Whom they defeat after some pacifist angsting from Aurora. Talisman gleans from one of these spaghetti men telepathically that they are working for the master of the world, who now lives somewhere nearby but inside the planet. Cutscene to Windshear Box and a bunch of rocks on bigwigs on a Skype call with Valerie Cooper about the problems of their electronic menace from last issue and how they couldn't respond quickly enough to fight it, like the thing's moving more quickly than they can react to. And Cooper says she's going to send Forge to help because he has special electronic powers. That brings us full circle through all the different plot lines back to Heather and Logan, who are chatting at a pub in Ottawa. Wild child has been dropped in a maximum holding cell so they can just kick back and catch up. She realizes that Wolverine is not doing too well, but he doesn't want to get her involved. He just came to give her his love and goodbyes. But Heather suggests, you know what? We could, we could pad this thing out to two more parts. If we just go try to get wild child's blood <laughs> to heal you. So, um, sure. Cycling through our characters brings us back to the search for Spock. I mean, puck and Talisman <laughs> opens a portal to the Master's headquarters, where the Alphans find Puck in a big vat of liquid, kind of like Luke Skywalker in Empire Strikes Back, with body parts melting off of him. And naked. Yes. Bubble crunch. Which means it's time to check in with Box, because that's he's next on the list. Box, Diamond, Little, and Windshear. <laughs> um, they fly to Muir Island inside Box, who has transformed into a jet. <laughs> But when they get close, Forge <laughs> forces Box to revert to robot mode, dropping all three of them in the ocean just offshore. And then it's old home week for some very minor X-Men characters. We have Banshee, who I think is still healing up from his voice injuries from way the heck back in the early days of Claremont. Yeah. Actually, he's good now. Is he good now? I, I, yes. I remember he shows up in X-Men as being all right. I didn't know if that had happened yet or not. Yeah, this is it does like 250s, right? When... um. Destiny dies. Okay. Uh, we also have Amanda Sefton, who is a witch and Nightcrawler's girlfriend. We have Tom Corsi and Mary Friedlander, a cop and a nurse, respectively. Who Sharon. Were yes. Who were ethnically changed to Native Americans as a result of the Demon Bear saga in the New Mutants. But the less said about that, the better. And uh, Moira McTaggart, who runs the place. And, of course, Forge, who is the reason they came. After some tense beginnings, Forge agrees to help them, and they fly off again, which probably means I didn't have to go into all that detail about who was involved, but oh, well, it's too late now. We're going to keep on going. Um, we're just going to include that part for free. <laughs> Meanwhile, I assume it's for free. I don't run this podcast. Meanwhile, Vindicator and Wolverine are sneaking into the Ottawa Correctional Facility where Wild Child is being held. Uh, they sneak into where Wild Child should be, but he isn't there. Speaking of padding things out for two more issues. Finally, Box arrives at a wrecked Roxxon facility where their electronic adversary is, and they patch into the monitor systems to get a good look at it. And Diamond Lil freaks out because the human figure 
at the heart of the electronic spider web is none other than the Guardian, James McDonald Hudson, seemingly back from the dead. Yeah. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. And no one says, hey, Mac. But, you know, that's okay. So, um, Mac is back. Mac is back. He's a Mac attack 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 attack. Mac attack attack. You ought to know by now. <laughs> so I really like the interaction between Logan and Heather pretty much throughout this whole issue. Um, <laughs> me too. It's a highlight of yeah. for me. Yeah, it feels very real. And actually, as much as kind of Wild Child's been a an insane murdering douchebag, um, I like that the team is still kind of looking out for him, especially uh. She spawn is really like concerned about wild child and really wants to make sure he's going to be okay and get treated fairly and all that. Um, Yeah, but here's my problem with that. That's cool. That's great. Here's my issue. They never said we're going to keep Alpha Flight and Gamma Flight is gone. They said you're going to be reevaluated and reassigned with Alpha Flight or under them. So no one was being kicked out. Well, I understand why Wild Child, because he's limited intelligence, freaks out. But not only does he freak out when he really didn't need to, he also almost kills one of their own. Right. So you'd think Nemesis be like, it's not like they're put, trying to put Wild, you know, Wild Child away in jail for, you know, killing a villain or something. You know, he almost killed one of their own, who's also a teenage girl. I'm like... I mean, I'm, I I just need to read more of this and maybe pass to see maybe there was like a relationship between Nemesis and Wild Child because she's really bending over backwards for him. Yeah, she really is. I wasn't sure either. I mean, he kind of felt like maybe. Uh, yeah. Like a marital relation, not marital, a maternal, maternal relationship. Oh, yeah. Or, or married in the make ours Marvel sense. Because <laughs> <laughs> yes. the others at least just kind of seem to be going along with it. Yeah. When they, the rest of Gamma Flight, Omega Flight, whatever, just seems to kind of do whatever Nemesis says. Like, she seems to be guiding that ship for sure. Yeah. Um, Sasquatch is always good for some furry loincloth. Um, always got to appreciate that. I know Aurora does. <laughs> oh. <laughs> now, my one part of them with that story arc, which, like I said, is my favorite one, though is the, the coloring on Shaman and Talesman is really inconsistent and goes from, and maybe it's just because of the coloring process at the time, goes from, okay, it's decent enough that you can tell they're, you know, they're supposed to be Native American to, let's just use the color red. Right. Right. At yeah. times. And it's like, okay. Very sunburned. Yeah. Yeah. Going back just a little bit, um, I was making the joke about how, you know, Heather's upset that Wolverine hasn't called. But to be fair, at this point, the X-Men haven't even bothered to call Excalibur yet. And Excalibur, <laughs> right? Excalibur is half X-Men. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or the New Mutants, you know, the people they were responsible for training. Right. right. And going back with what we said from last issue about Heather, she even says when they're in the bar, she says, I was just getting over Max's death when you died. I don't, so does she's that just timeline get, work out. Um, maybe loosely. Oh, I mean, I feel like I, I remember that could have been dead for a while because that was back. That was Uncanny two twenty seven. Yeah, 
That means like that's forty issues. Yeah, yeah so but, that would have been about Alpha Flight forty something. Yeah, that's. I remember that. I remember reading a scene where Heather gets the call that Logan's dead. Uh, I don't remember where that scene was, but I feel like it's. I feel like you know Mac died around issue twelve, and this is. You know, it was around issue 40 that, I don't know. But then again, the sliding timeline and how, you know, just when in the two years did it all fall. And also, it takes you a really long time to grieve a death. So maybe, even if the timeline is not close, it just takes a long time to process all that crap. Yeah, so for yeah. me, that kind of helped with what we were talking about before about her. And let's see, I'm looking real quick. Uncanny 227. What issue about the flight was out that month? Alpha Flight 56. 56 that's actually relatively recent but that's okay um aurora is a pacifist in this but she she's like stop fighting stop fighting i'm going to use a defensive attack so that sasquatch can fight them (laughs) right i don't remember this costume for her but i kind of like it aurora's costume yeah yeah it's kind of old school psylocke yeah yeah you're right yeah, it is. Interesting. Yep. And I think Three it's course. supposed to invoke her um, her religious stuff, because it's a bit of the, with the hood and everything, kind of feels like a habit. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that part of her personality. Yeah, yeah. this is like Super Nun. <laughs> One of the personalities. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but and... Sorry, go on. Sasquatch on page 10. I don't know if it's okay to go to page 10 yet. Yeah. Um, on page 10, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, Talisman says, I believe we're confronting the master himself, folks. And Sasquatch says, That loser again. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Dude, I relate so hard to yeah. that because the master is like, He's the only real recurring adversary, he's supposed to be their primary adversary. And he has never been impressive. <laughs> ever. Or very interesting either. Or even interesting. There's nothing to him as a person. He just, the world's a messed up place and I just need to rule it. <laughs> it's like, get in line. All right. You know, I'd rather have Doom in charge. Well, we want it. Well, although that does make sense why the Master is not the main villain of this story. He's just the side one. Well, isn't he, at least at least in this part, isn't he an unseen villain? Um, Doesn't he show up at the end? Do we, do we see him? I don't remember. If we do, I forgot. We see him at the end. <laughs> he is a background threat throughout this. But no, this... you're right. He doesn't show up in this issue. There's not really a main villain to this arc. They're just dealing with a lots of little stuff. Right. Yeah. It's I kind of like story. that. Yeah. Uh, so, want to go to a pub, bub? <laughs> just before the pub. Page 12. <laughs> um, okay. So, on page 12, I don't really know exactly how to, dis- to, to discuss this, because we're just three white guys talking about comics, but... Okay, you're going where I thought. This is the first time we see Winshire without his costume, and he's a black man. Yes. And not a single reference is ever made to it in the script. He's just casually being black. 
which is probably maybe how things should be more often in an ideal world. But also, he's the only black guy in the entire comic. <laughs> yeah. So it makes him stand out just a bit. Um, and I, I just, I don't really know what to do with that, but it's there. Yeah, because the only other one actually doesn't appear, Laura. She doesn't appear in this issue. Right, right. Yeah, Laura Dean is... is yeah, yes. they talk about her. But she's not in this story. And speaking of that little part, by the way, nice use of Val Cooper to do a creative recap. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm here on the screen for exposition. <laughs> and my hair is especially wavy today. All right. I feathered it this morning. <laughs> I like Val Cooper. I didn't tell you mostly. Yeah. Mostly I, from I, X Factor. Yeah. I really like Val Cooper. Um, she's one of those characters like I really didn't even know existed until I started my X-Men read through because she doesn't do anything super big that like non-X-Men fans would know her. But she's just like a really solid background player that is, you know, and in X Factor, she's more important, but you know. Yes. Um speaking of minor characters, it's Sharon Freelander, not Mary. I apologize. I remember when no, I was writing this down, fault. I wasn't sure yeah. about that. Is it did they, they get it wrong in the comic? They get it wrong in the comic. That's why I got it wrong. Oh. It's not your fault. Well, also speaking of minor characters, uh, Popeye the Sailor Man is at the bar. Is he really looking yeah, at background that. characters? Looking at background characters. He's sitting under the. You're the right. Sideways oh my stairs. gosh! <laughs> He's totally there. What's up, Popeye? <laughs> and this is right. an Atari Austin what, what, issue. What beer do you have with spinach? <laughs> Usually, it's Terry Austin that sticks Popeye in. Yeah, that's true. And then on uh, page 14, after Wolverine puts his jacket on, that pose, I'm pretty sure he's about to do that shoulder shimmy by Michael Jackson. <laughs> he is in a very doom, Jackson doom, pose there. He's playing Moonwalker in Sega Genesis right now. There you go. There you go. Props to Niciesa for what he does with Wolverine in this scene. Like, example is panel two. He's like, I'm here because something big's coming up. I may not be around much longer, so I wanted to wipe the slate clean now. And it's just like, Wolverine's in a very touchy place right now until he's just suddenly not anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, the whole, he's going to die, but he yeah. doesn't. Well, they had a plan. Step one, Wolverine's going to, you know, Wolverine's hearing factor isn't working, he's going to die. Step two, uh, step three, he's better. Step yeah. three, what was step one again? <laughs> <laughs> so step one, Wolverine's healing factor isn't working too well. Step two, eh. Step three, he's better. Yeah. All right, moving on. I think on page 19 where we have Silly Putty Puck that Sasquatch gets uh, double-censored. Besides his uh, shaggy loincloth, he also has a bar across there to make sure there's just no hint of uh, Sasquatch's uh, sass dog. Yeah. Do they... Is that a regular thing? Do they make a point of always covering up Sasquatch crotch? No, it's usually just the long hair. Uh, the really, really long pubes it gets. But um, but 
Yeah, it just, it just struck me as funny that, that they had the little bar across there. I guess with the extra context of Naked Puck, one might go start looking at Sasquatch <laughs> oh, and see what's true. going on there. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, all you got is some not-so-clear bubbles. And I normally refer to those areas as, like, little whoever, like, oh, little Sasquatches. But I feel bad saying about little Puck. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm pretty sure with Puck, that's Big Puck. <laughs> Um, so you haven't been reading Alpha Flight. Do you know about the, the retcon as far as Puck's condition and why he's big here? Okay, well, yeah, so I know he, like, grew because they decided he wasn't actually a dwarf. He just got shrunk by magic, which I kind of hated. Yeah, it was um, like a, de- a demonic effect, like a, some sort of demon influence made him small. Right. Instead of just him being a badass dwarf. Um, right. So I really kind of hated that. So does that get undone again? Or because as far as I know, like modern Puck's just Puck. Like he's just out pucking around doing his thing. And Well, I think once they fix it here, they just ignore that that was ever said. That's better. That's yeah, he just stays Puck from then on. They come up with a narrative explanation for this that's consistent with that. And then they shelve the idea. That is for the best, I think. Yeah. It's just, it it takes a really cool character concept and demonizes it. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, whenever a certain religious text decided to say that some people in the world are black because they're offsprings of Satan. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, you just, you don't want to do stories like that. Those are the bad kind. Right. Yep. Um... And then we do see Wolverine in costume. That was fun. Yeah. Breaking into the prison. Yeah, that's kind of all. I I do like Heather's little narration in that panel. On the second panel of that page when they're first breaking in. People like like Logan and me do things like this in our sleep. Doesn't say much for our choice of lifestyles, does it? (laughs) (laughs) It is a pretty big cliffhanger moment because um, it's been like 76 issues since he died. And after that much time goes by, I'm okay with them toying with the idea of a resurrection because I feel like, you know, this never happens anymore. Nowadays, when a character dies, they do so with the full intent of how they've planned to bring them back. Right. There are very rarely times where a character dies just to leave them off the table until somebody else comes along and decides to do something with them. I think that may have been what happened with the Wasp, but I'm not exactly positive. But like whenever Captain America died, he was gone for so long that I just assumed that, you know, Brubaker was done with Steve and Bucky was capped now and maybe some other writer later on would try to find a way to bring Steve back. But, But yeah, this is, you know, Burn killed Mac Hudson. And um, the guy who wrote Afterburn, who is it starts with a B? Oh, Bill Mantlo, Man- right? Yeah, yeah, Bill Mantlo. And then Hudnall, they both left Mac dead. I think Hudnall played with the idea, or maybe Bill Mantlo played with the idea, but then it was just a tease and it was done at the end of the story arc. And But this is an attempt to bring him back. And it's been five years. I think that's okay. Yeah. All right. Well, anything else on 88? Um, do I have anything else? Nope. 
Nope, I said everything I had to say. I said all the sarcastic, wise-ass comments I needed to say. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all the pointless stupidity. Oh, yeah, here's the master of the world. I see him now. I forgot he was there. <laughs> all right, moving on to 89, Al. Um, I think uh, all our creatives are the same, so why don't you talk about the cover? I like this cover a lot for one real reason. So yeah, we got a nice, you know, guard, the original Guardian, you know, you know, is back. Guest starring Wolverine with Heather without her costume. But the important thing is, and look who else is back, eh? And you got hey, a little yeah. puck. <laughs> and you got puck ripping off the co- the bottom corner of the cover, waving like, "Hi!" Yeah. yeah. And I'm it's here. classic puck. He's back to his original look. Yes. Yeah, so, I like this cover a lot. That makes me like it a lot. Just for that. All right, so. <clears throat> okay. Shaman, Talesman, Aurora, and Sasquatch have found Puck, but he's been horribly mutated by the Master. Enough so that some of them are concerned they may be forced to put him out of his misery. Aurora is horrified by that thought and uses her light powers to calm Puck so Shaman and Talesman can make mental contact as he seems unable to speak. Through his memories, they see the Master make off with him and experiment on him. They're not sure why, and it turns out Puck is still capable of speech, just very limited. He tells them the Master is still trying to make a mate for the offspring of Marina, and apparently thinks that'll make the perfect warrior. Uh, with the information what was done in the Puck, Sasquatch thinks he can reverse it, but Puck might not survive, and even if he does, he won't be full-size anymore. He'll be stuck as a dwarf forever, but Puck is willing to take that chance. Meanwhile, we have Vindicator and Wolverine tracking Wildchild to an abandoned Roxxon gas station where he actually made a pit stop. And that's only because Nemesis made him stop there. She's like, you know, probably kept saying, do you have to go? Do you have to go? Do you have to go? <laughs> Five minutes. Because otherwise Wildchild would just probably pee as he walks. Right. And it's not only just Nemesis, but all of Gamma Flight. Wildchild didn't just escape from prison. He broke out. We go back to the hospital with North Star Persuasion watching over the comatose Laura. As the doctor tells them that Laura needs a new kidney, but due to her blood type and the fact that she's a mutant, the donor would have to be a blood relative, which they don't have around, except now her parents, who had previously abandoned her for being a mutant, show up. Which is why everyone's shocked by that. Uh, moving on to the Roxxon facility in Colorado, Box, Diamond Little, Winshear, and Forge are investigating the fact that deep in the heart of the facility lies James Hudson, Guardian. And while they're investigating, their Roxxon contact, Samuel Higgins, accidentally reveals that Roxxon actually knew he was there. Apparently, he had returned once before, back in Alpha Flight 26, and, gave, and there was some crazy made-up story about him being transported millions of years away in time and space and being in hibernation. And it turns out that actually was true. Back in the Master's base, Sasquatch is working on Puck when the Master himself shows up, along with dozens of other experimented people. He calls his remnant men. And he sends him to attack Alpha Flight. And at that point, though, we see that Sasquatch is successful and Puck joins the fight. But naked. Back to Wolverine and Vindicator. They're about to take on Nemesis, Wild Child, Witch Fiver. Ah, sorry. <laughs> Back to Wolverine and Vindicator. They're about to take on Gamma Flight. And in Colorado, Forge and Box merge so Forge can help them adapt quickly. Because that's the reason they got Forge. And when they reach Hudson... Box is actually able to wake up Hudson with just simple human contact. He's alive! That was the issue. Yay. Yay. That's a really weird-ass picture of Puck on that first page. Yeah, it is. 
So, when Puck starts talking, is he spelling? I'm not sure if it's supposed to be spelling or just so <laughs> slow. It's almost like spelling. Okay, I couldn't tell with all the dashes if he was like M A K E M A T E. And then I started thinking if you guys just started spelling, can I track what you were saying? And I'm not sure that I could. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's supposed to be that or if it's supposed to be make eight four. Like, I'm not sure which way it's supposed to be. Right. It's either spelling or shatnering. I guess you can choose. Um, either way, it might have been easier if they just kept, you know, letting him stay. Can we just contact. pause? Yeah. Okay. I'm oh, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. It's another little audio um, delay I had. Sorry. I was going to okay. say, can we just pause for a second and talk about the fact that Marina was a thing? Like, for the first <laughs> 10, 15 issues of this book and hasn't been seen since. And so they just they just mention her. Hey, look, right. Marina. <laughs> yeah. Remember her? That was a thing. Remember she was one of us? And now she's not. It's, it's almost like they made that the burn made her on the team just for the purposes of that arc with Namor and then goodbye. Right. Cause she wasn't part of like the X-Men appearances. No. no, no, no. She doesn't show up. I think Alpha flight one might be her first appearance. And I'm thinking that last panel on page six, it's hard, but it looks almost exactly like Palpatine saying, do it. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Across between Palpatine and Sloth. Do it. Palpatine's and Sloth's love child. <laughs> hey, Sith. Rise, <laughs> <laughs> my lord. Yes. Oh, we're going to some dark places. <laughs> Oh, I didn't comment last time. I do like um, Shaman's black costume. I think it's pretty yes, cool. Yes, I do too. Yeah. And I really enjoy Talesman as a character. She's I, I enjoyed her in this story. I feel so, like, first, they don't wipe her away. <laughs> yeah, I feel like they, they never know what to do whenever Shaman and Talisman are both on the board. Right. They've always got to get rid of one of them. Um, <laughs> and maybe that's just because their power sets are so similar. So for storytelling reasons, they never they only ever use one. But for like in universe like history, these characters go through so much drama. <laughs> yeah. Although it's kind of funny with that because I mean, a they seem to work really well like in conjunction together in the story. So I like that. But also for the most part, you I mean now is a little different. But usually North Star and Aurora have the same powers too. But they you know. But I guess there's more to them. I don't know. Um, on page six at the bottom, when Sasquatch is talking, I really want to put the comma in early. I was a biochemist long before I became a furry. So I figured I'd... <laughs> <laughs> you just want to get rid of the words teddy bear, don't you? No, no I think just... he still he calls Puck teddy bear, like a pet name. Yeah, also... He, he also I think Eugene Wasowski, whatever his name is, is, is a furry. And that's why he became Sasquatch, because he's just trying to live his full lifestyle. <laughs> there you go. 
<laughs> oh, I see what you're saying. So I was a biochemist long before I became a furry teddy bear. <laughs> um, and, I, and I like how throughout this issue, you know, we the readers and the rest of Alpha Flight are all trying to deal with the fact that Mac's alive. Heather has no clue. Yeah, not yet. And we're just going along with her. She's just, you know, doing her thing with Wolverine, trying to find wild child blood. And yeah. um, and we have a Star Trek 2 reference. Why did I write down Star Trek 2 reference? Oh. Um... Uh... Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. Something about okay. friendship? No, 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 no. Okay, so um, first of all, I love this scene. They're at the gas station, and Wolverine is following Wild Child's spore. And he follows Wild Child's scent to the public restroom. And then while they're there, he's like, oh, I smell everyone else here. I guess they all went to the bathroom. <laughs> and he says, if I read this right, he says that Wild Child went to an actual restroom just to make Nemesis happy. And then all of the Omega flight you to the ba- use the bathroom also. I don't know exactly what's going on there, but I love it. Well, you know, it's like when you're on a road trip and someone really has to pee and you pull over and maybe you didn't really need to pee. You're like, you know what? I'm going to take advantage of this situation and go ahead and pee anyway and, you know, reset my levels. <laughs> Actually, going with what you said about um, Nemesis being kind of maternal towards um Wild Child, I can see that actually kind of what you're saying, except they stop. She's like, Wild Child, you have to go. Yes. All right. <laughs> Silver Arc, you have to go? No. Well, we're stopping. You should go. But we don't have to go. Well, maybe you should try anyway. But we don't have to. Which fire said you have to go last time, and now she's turning blue? <laughs> <laughs> well, Everyone get out of the cart now and go pee. Do I have to pull my sword out? I also like if you really focus on the bathroom aspect that Wolverine is smelling what happened in the bathroom mm-hmm. and he caught a whiff of it. And then he says, got to give him credit for sticking through this together. <laughs> like, right. Right. Like someone dropped a bomb, but you know what? They all, they all hung it out. It was rough going, but you know, <laughs> they... look, I don't care if it smells while well. child scared the toilet silver. I told you to keep holding his hand. Right, when you guys got to scoop this up and flush it. <laughs> okay, so I remember my Star Trek thing. So at the beginning of the bathroom scene, they're approaching Wolverine says, I'm pretty sure they went in there. And Heather's like, the bathroom? I thought I told you to go before we left. That was a joke there. And, okay, so in Star Trek II, um, Kirk is in the turbo lift with Savick. And Savick says, may I ask, Admiral, how you solved the Kobayashi Maru test and Kirk's like you can ask that was a little joke and (laughs) and I had this roommate and he was a total Trek nerd just like me and and like when one of us would make a joke and the other one wouldn't laugh he was like that that was a little joke (laughs) (laughs) that's funny but I do love supportive Wolverine on on page eight, um, the last panel or the last couple panels. She's like, I may have reached the limit of my convictions. He says, maybe so. I've lost my own plenty of times, but I haven't lost faith in you, Heather. He loves her. Anyways, <laughs> oh, she's a redhead. <laughs> That's true. 
So why, where's Havoc? I mean, Havoc should be going after her. If he's... <laughs> right, true. He's a step behind. <laughs> Madeline Pryor and that lady from Meltdown and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the redhead, the Marvel redhead stand-in. Um, but yeah. So page 11... Um, no, we've already talked about the continuity with X-Men dying around the time. Um, yeah. And I don't have any more notes until almost the end of the story, page 22. I'm good as well. You got anything you want to mention, Al? Um, I I am. I also do like Diamond Lil, I have to say, especially this issue when they're being attacked. She's like, Maddie, now's not the time, hun. <laughs> when those <laughs> arms are like pinning her to the ground. <laughs> She's fun. I guess with the whole invulnerable thing, she's like, I don't care what's going on. You know? Right. She's like, oh, that's not him? Damn. So, um, I guess we cycle through all the subplots and come back to Aurora, not Aurora, um, Vindicator and Wolverine. And um, page 22, Heather's narrating, and she says, um, now I'm wearing... 11 pounds of ultra lightweight microcircuitry under spandex leotards, following a man who measures his life in dog years. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a funny line, too. And there are definitely times in this kind of era where I feel like Fabian Niciesa is still finding his writing chops. I mean, he's been writing comics since 1987, 1988, but there, I, I still feel in some of these issues that he's finding his footing. But then he writes, you know, stuff like that. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's why I love Niciesa. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, page or two before we get more nakedness. There's a lot of nakedness in the storyline. You notice that? Yeah. All the bad guys puck. are naked. Yeah. None of the ugly naked guys have gonads. Well, that you can see, yeah. And but when yeah, they're all have... crouching; they're all in shadow, so it's hard to tell. Yeah, but Puck has convenient bubbles again and water. Yeah, I approve. Um. Okay, so page twenty-four. Is it twenty-four? Not only do we. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So. Um, Vindicator is trying to justify why they need Wild Child, why Gamma Flight can't have Wild Child and they need Wild Child. And she's like, not only do we want him, but we want to do more than imprison him. We want to do science experiments on him to find a way to heal Wolverine. So we are definitely in the right here. Hand him over. <laughs> well, they, even without the Wolverine part, they are in the right. You know, he's well, trying to kill one of us. Yeah, for tracking him down, but you're right, though. I, I think there's there's a personal aspect that, I don't know, is maybe clouding some of their decisions. And the only other thing I have is, a, is an Alpha Flight note. Um, so, Box is a guy in a suit. Now, the, he's kind of melded with the suit, so it's a little fuzzy sometimes, but he is a guy in a suit. So, on page 25... When the guy in the suit merges with a guy, it's like, how many guys are in that suit now? Well, from what I remember reading, he phases into the armor. So, 
Like, he's just, he is the armor. So when the armor becomes a ship, he is the ship. Right. His body, it's like his body's like phased into it. So it's not like there's a, it's not like he's wearing a helmet. Yes, that's correct. And he doesn't really, he doesn't seem to phase Forge. He seems to wrap Forge up. So he's actually, Forge is actually wearing him like armor. But. So you're saying it's just a really long hug? Yes. Yeah, yeah, and they're spooning. It's a very yeah. special hug. Okay. Well, I'm okay Look, with that. When an X-Man and an Alpha Flight Alpha Flight member really love technology very much, <laughs> they phase into each other's armor and have a special hug. Right. So I'm good with this one. Yep, me too. Yep. All right. Well, our conclusion... Alpha Flight number 90, I believe, is all the same, folks. Let me double check. Yes, sir. Um, Another Jim Lee cover. I like this cover a lot. I really love the classic Jim Lee Wolverine pose. Um, And everything else looks pretty cool, too. You have a Guardian facing off against Nemesis. You have other Guardian in the background. Um, Wolverine looks great. So what do y'all think of this cover? It's a really great uh, final cover. Um, it's just a slugfest, but it's done really well. And again, I love Nemesis's look, and it's a great shot of her. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's a really good cover. I think I might like the second best after the, la- the one with Puck. But yeah, we are, we'll, of course, Wolverine's big in the foreground because that's the selling point right now. But at least Vindicator is just about as a big a focal point yeah since it's her book agreed all right and yeah nemesis looks pretty awesome too bad they never do anything good with her i think <laughs> yeah i looked up her um her appearance list and after uh she she's she's a pretty regular fixture for the rest of this alpha flight series and after this alpha flight series is over she's gone yeah Sadly. Sounds like she's ripe for a comeback. All right. Well, here's how this story is going to, or stories really, are going to end. Um, Wolverine and Vindicator attack Gammafly to recapture Wild Child. It's pretty even until Wolvie snicks Wild Child in the gut. We find out that when Guardian's suit blew up, uh, the. James McDonald Hudson Guardian when his suit blew up it shot him through space time to Jupiter's moon millennia ago where he was put in stasis and shipped home where Roxanne found him and tried to keep him so he went all malware on them Uh, then Forge and crew found him and that officially brings that subplot up to speed Puck is rescued but the evil master escapes Disappointingly off-panel, Wolverine and Heather finish defeating Gamma Flight, and all but Nemesis and Wild Child either surrender or go to China. Nemesis uses her magic fencing foil to teleport them away, and then having succeeded in relieving Heather of all her doubts and insecurities, which was apparently his secret mission all along, Wolverine literally just disappears off the panel. Teleports? Beams away? I don't know. Um, 
subplots that are all conveniently tied up, and then at the very end we get a touching Mac and Heather reunion. Um, yeah. He does just kind of leave the story. Yeah, he's in one panel, and then without a word, he's not in the next one, with Heather standing in the exact same spot and pose. I kind of like the idea that she was just imagining him the whole time. <laughs> I did not think of that at all, but that is fantastic. She's fighting Gamma Flight, and they're sitting there looking at each other going, Who's she talking to? <laughs> That's pretty great. <laughs> I love it. Is there somebody else here? She said, Wolverine, is Wolverine here? Oh, crap, what's going on? Um, you were correct, Al. Sam Higgins does come back way the F later in a Thunderbolts arc. Oh, wow. Okay. So I don't know why the complete over reading order doesn't have that listed, but the chronology project website does. Interesting. So around Thunderbolts 35 ish, there's, he's in a few issues there. Um, I was very happy that they threw the, um, the Marvel comics presents 51 to 53, like editor's note in with an actual timestamp on it to, to help us line everything up. I mean, I don't mind being in charge of my own timeline, but, um, you know, at the bottom of page six, he says, a year ago, you did the same thing and almost killed Heather. I swore we'd come full circle and you'd pay for that. Guess what time it is? So going back a year, Gamma, uh, Gamma Flight has been back as Omega Flight since around issue 76. So we could put that Marvel Comics Presents story as just a little bit before that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I was trying to figure out how, since I didn't know enough about this era of Alpha Flight, or at least before these issues how that worked. So 76, that works. So the idea of wild child then is that he was part of department H as like the training, whatever pre pre alpha flight. Mm-hmm. And I guess he goes off the board and goes rogue serial killer and then gets recruited back into gamma flight. And then is that how that works? Or just like, on his day off from the <laughs> flight stuff. Okay. <laughs> because Gamma Flight is off the book for a long time. We don't really know what they were doing, but um, if they were still together, just, you know, like having regular meetings to to have some macaroni casserole or something, <laughs> then right. maybe, maybe he was killing people in between those meetings and then Nemesis shows up like, you know what? We're Omega Flight now. <laughs> um, okay. So I don't have a whole lot to say about this issue. But since, um, you know, on page 22, Silver and Auric are there. And we all know that they are the most important heroes in this story. Um, I can actually tell you the next time Silver and Auric show up because I know you're wondering. Is that is the word never going to come up? <laughs> it's going to come up soon, but not first. Oh. Y'all know the Hero Killers crossover with the 1992 Spider-Man annuals that brought in the new Warriors annual as well? Vaguely. The Sphinx um, captures Silver and Auric for some reason, I forget. 
<laughs> and we see them in the first part of that four annual crossover. We see them getting captured. And then like in part two or three, we see the heroes discover them like in captivity. And then the heroes are like, okay, we got to go stop the bad guys who are doing this. But then at the last chapter, whenever they actually beat the Sphinx and save the day, they don't mention Silver and Auric. <laughs> um, and and that's then it? After that, they have one more Alpha Flight appearance in an issue that I haven't read yet, and that's the end. Silver and Auric are, are gone forever after that. Now, it's probably a little hanging fruit because you mentioned New Warriors, but should I assume that at least one of those annuals might have been written by a Mr. Fabian Nicieza? <laughs> <laughs> it's likely, now that you mention it, um, I have not gone looked at the credits on those annuals, but since it was New Warriors... And um, Nova is, of course, usually who Sphinx is up against. So bringing him into the New Warriors story was kind of, you know, bringing Noah's, Nova's people. But yeah, um, it's kind of weird how completely inconsequential these two guys are. Well, not weird from reading this story, since they're pretty much inconsequential here as well. Yeah, they really are <laughs> just right. like window dressing. They're just there to be there. They're the knickknack on the shelf that you you know is there, but you forget about. Yeah, it's mainly about, I mean, for Gamma Flight, it's mainly about Nemesis and Wild Child, with a little bit of Witchfire, because... Barely. <laughs> right. But, I mean, they, they at least gave her some personality. Like, I think one of the other issues, she wasn't there before, and then she's there later on, and she's like, gives Heather, like, a kind of smart-ass, smart-ass answer. So she gets a minor bit of personality over them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, I like that Heather starts thinking of herself as guardian. Yeah. That's, I mean, this issue, I don't really like the fact that Wolverine's like, I was just here to give you confidence the entire time. <laughs> yeah, I don't I, I don't think that Heather needed Wolverine's help. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad that Wolverine was there for Heather, but I don't think that she needed him. Um, so that's kind of a drawback to that entire plot line for me. But it kind of, you know, I have a note though. It kind of is in step with this era of Wolverine, who's always tricking them into character growth. Um, you know, I think specifically of uh, just recently we talked about Mark Silvestri's last Uncanny issue with Hardcase and the Harriers, where he he hired these paramilitary oh, God, those guys, to kidnap yes. him just so Psylocke and Jubilee could learn to work together better. <laughs> you know, and it's just like, this is really elaborate like plot just to have, you know, some life coaching moments for his supporting cast. And so, so it kind of fits that he would go through all of this. Oh, but yeah, I just wanted to make sure you were feeling good. I hope you feel better now. <laughs> but sure. I do like the, sorry, go on, John. No, go ahead. I was saying, but I do like the idea at least that she gets to the point where she go, goes from being vindicator, which kind of implies anger and frustration, to guardian, more protecting about you know can you know Canada and the team, before she knows uh, Mac is back. Yes, that's a really good point. She makes that choice on her own before Mac is there, and yeah, I like that I, too. Because I believe in the issues that follow, he takes on the name vindicator then. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, she became Vindicator just because that's what he was calling himself, and then he he's back, so he's Vindicator again. Um, and 
their costumes at the end. <laughs> I was just about to say they interlock. Yeah, they're like inverses. Yeah, they're red and white inverses. Now, I personally think they should be like two halves of the flag, like mirror images of each other. Oh, yeah, that'd be cool. So if they were standing they next, next to, each, to other, each other. Yeah, yeah, it would be the entire marijuana leaf. I mean, maple leaf. <laughs> well, now it is. Um, oh, that's true. It's legal there. But but My yeah, Pat was super excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> He's there right now. Yep. <laughs> um. Yeah, going backwards just a little bit. I do like that uh, Nemesis uses her cape to uh, mend Wild Child's uh, stabbing, and then. Well, I don't know if it's entirely the same argument. I like at least that in her mind, she ties together the idea of, you know, the Hudson's kind of saved Logan from his animalistic tendencies, and she just wants to do the same thing for Wild Child to give him that second chance. Um, and she doesn't know why they won't just let her do that. And so, like I said, I don't know if the parallels are like 100% in line, but that was an interesting story beat to her motivation. You know, it's interesting. Wolverine says, the problem is he's a killer, pure and simple. I learned to control myself. He hasn't. A year ago, a child went on a rampage. I barely stopped him from killing Heather. Okay, yes, but there was a time when you couldn't say that about yourself. Right. There was a time when you couldn't say, I've learned to control myself. You hadn't yet. And so Wild Child is just early, he's just at a different spot on a similar path. Um, and so you're judging him for not reaching the same point where you are. Well, dude, you're 100 years older than he is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but to be fair, the, they didn't break Wolverine out of prison after he stabbed a little girl and uh, try to run off with him. They were actually doing it because at the time he still, you know, Hudson was working for Department H. They were doing with that backing, like, you know, and guards and stuff like that. They were trying to rehabilitate him, not just run away with him. So, yeah. sorry. I just, I can see her point, definitely. She's just taking the complete wrong way to do it, I think. Yeah. Well, also, we don't know exactly what she's going to do with him. She just wants him back. They could be going off to, you know, like, 12-step programs and organized therapy and everything else. <laughs> Who knows? Is there a 12-step program for killing people? I didn't know that. Wait a minute. Wow, they have a 12-step for everything. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's it's Killers Canonymous, the KKK. Um, so... <laughs> Moving on! <laughs> Good night, everybody! Mwah! <laughs> the ending of this plays so beautifully. Like, Guardian just, she gets home. She's saying hi to everybody. It's just the end of a mission. Oh, look, Puck's back. Oh, my gosh, Puck. I missed you so much. Oh, hey, Walter, how are you? Oh, Michael, too young. Are you doing okay? What the? It's Mac. And it just, it's just, it works so well. And not nearly you... as, as badly as my dramatic pretending was just now. No, I think it's great. Did you notice, I don't know if this is intentional or not, you know, because we've had a lot of parallels of her comparing the grieving process between her husband and Wolverine. And other than him correctly pronouncing hello, they say the same thing to her. Because when Logan popped in, he said, hello, Heather, long time no see. And then Matt comes in and says, hello, Heather, long time no see. 
Oh, that was a really interesting writer's beat that Fabian did there because it's kind of the two most important men in her life for different reasons. Um, back she's kind of a mother sister figure to Wolverine and then a lover to James, but they both come back into her life kind of the same way. So that, that was really cool. I um, had not noticed that at all, and either. I love it. That's awesome. Wolverine um, was dead, and now he's back. Mac was dead, and now he's back. And they say the same thing when they come back. Oh, my God, I love it. That's that's nice. Yeah, I didn't catch that either. What I did catch was on that page before that, 26, All the re- on that bottom page, all the reactions we see are from the original members of Alpha Flight. Yeah, I like that a lot, too. It's definitely some of the stronger characters. I mean, I hate to be the guy that's like, oh, the original team's best. But, I mean, it's, it's just the most developed characters in the book and the ones with the strongest personalities. So I, I really enjoyed seeing them and their reactions. But if nothing else, they're the ones we've had the longest attachment to. Right. Yeah. Well, they're the ones um, that have the most attachment to him, too. The other ones really wouldn't have met him, even. Oh, right. yeah, 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 because they wouldn't... Yeah, Diamond Lil knows him, but... I'm not even entirely sure. Oh, because she knows him because she was on the bad guy team. Yeah, but she already had her reunion, so to speak, with him. Right, right. There's a lot of falling action in this issue, which I kind of was not expecting. It takes a while for this issue to end. Um, Well, I say a while. It's two more pages plus an epilogue. Um, There's a lot of words on those pages, though. (laughs) Yeah, but like 27 could have had a be with us next time, kids, to see what happens now. Right. Yeah. But I do like that um, Nisiesa takes the time to establish the status quo. Um, now that he's done his drama and his superhero action, let's, okay, how are things going to be going forward? Yeah, that's right. Because they set up here what Alpha Flight, Beta Flight, and Gamma Flight are going to be. Yeah. Yeah. And I put everything in order, so to speak. Yeah. And I do kind of like like what some of the stuff I do of Alpha Flight after this, like setting up how it works. It almost looks like something that you actually could like get a job working for Alpha Flight. Right, like as a citizen? Yeah. Yeah, because like you could work in, you know, because you didn't have to be just a superhero. It was one of the things I do like in some of the comics at the time, like the Superman books really did a way of making it like a, a world. And they kind of, he does a little bit here, too. Not as well there, and obviously he didn't have as many issues to do it, too. But he does try to create, kind of, later on in the issues following, trying to create, like, a little, like, this is the world of Alpha Flight, and here's the support staff and the other people that work there. And, like, you know, you could work for Alpha Flight, too. Yeah, I like it. Like this actually makes me want to jump back into the book. So yeah, I'm maybe, thinking I might follow maybe up Yeah, I will. Oh, and we do, so I do I like think, the, uh, sorry, go on. No, I was going to say, I think I'm done, but if you have more to say, go ahead. I was going to say, I do like uh, page 15, with the whole thing of Talesman going through that uh, mystic bag and uh, going insane, or whatever it is yeah. they do to her. and like I said, this is what takes her off the board, because she's going to be off the book for a while. It's going to be a shaman focus instead of a talisman focus. Um, Unfortunately. Yeah, because honestly... I don't know. Maybe it's just the fact that she's a woman and not an old dude. But I like Talisman as a character more than Shaman. I like her a lot. I like them together. I like them together because you don't see many parent-child teams. You really don't. So Invincible. I like. Yeah, but like for the most part, you don't really see that happening a lot. 
or with them being both of them, not just the two of them together, but they're both on the same team. You know, so I do kind of like their interactions together. I like them working like they seem to work well together, like in conjunction. She's like, oh, you're doing this. Well, I'll do this to work with it and it'll be even better. But that page 15, it's kind of cool where she's standing on all four panels and each panel is like completely different. I mean, one's like a green star, one space, one almost looks like metallic and then one looks like just abstract spaces. And it's like her mind's going through all these dimensions at once. Yeah. That was actually probably my favorite art of all four books. <laughs> it looks pretty cool. So yeah, I might have to do more of a read of this just because I want to see what happens with Ta- I want to see when she comes back. Well, and plus Doctor Doom's in the next issue. You can can never go bad with Doctor Doom. Yes, you can. <laughs> Not saying this one does, and to say I have definitely read <laughs> my share of bad Doctor yes. Doom stories. Yeah, yeah, they're out there. <laughs> oh, wow, she's appeared recently. Talisman in recent comics. Champions number twenty and twenty-one. Yeah, yeah, that book is good too. If y'all, I don't, I know y'all don't both read an enormous amount of modern comics, but that's a really good book. I did get one of the issues of Champions that came out recently because it was kind of was tied in with the Infinity Countdown. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's also, as it looks like, several of the issues of the current do- of the of the 2015 Doctor Strange series. Oh, that makes sense. So. Okay. Very cool. All right. Well, um, so this story and or stories overall, I had a lot of fun with the story. Um. I couldn't really get into the art at all. What did you guys think of the of the overall books? It's kind of like what I said earlier about Bear's art. He he does really solid layouts. I think his figure work is often very strong uh, as far as posing and doing dynamic stuff and laying things out in the panel. But you get to the details of faces and the details of his line work. And a lot of times it's just really weird. It reminds me a lot of what we said. We would say, John, about Bob Brown on the uh, Warlock 70 series. Mm-hmm. Where, like, there'd be a lot of, like, really good stuff and then a lot of really weird or not that good stuff. Like, I'm in this issue. I'm just flipping back through real quick. Page 22, panel 5. Like, the close-up on Witchfire, that's really nice. And it, yeah. like, it makes her look like this kind of mystical, almost not human, but not grotesquely. Like, just enough that you can tell. Like, she looks normal, but you, just enough you can tell she's not normal. But it kind of reminds me a bit of Bob Brown a bit. Like, there's some really nice designs and really, you know, designer work or the way the layout is. But then you also get some pages of, like, what the hell is that? <laughs> right. Like, again, that same page, the panel of Wolverine right underneath. Panel seven. Yeah. I mean, you know, it looks almost like Ed Asner cosplaying as Wolverine there. <laughs> That's funny. Or like the, um, the last big page with Mac page 27, like every single one of those expressions really, really does well to convey the emotions involved 
and yet they also look so bizarre at the same time. (laughs) Like that doesn't, they, I don't know. It's hard to describe what's wrong with it because you can really feel what they're feeling, but the human faces are just not right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Like I said, I remember seeing stuff of his art and liking it. I'm going to have to look back to see, though. Maybe I was just misjudging it, or maybe it's the inking, or maybe his art has changed. Like, I don't know. Well, there's... So the big question at the end is what to do with 13 flighters. <laughs> I was so upset they don't say that there. <laughs> is it 13? No, they're 12. Oh, okay. Well, you, wouldn't got, you wouldn't have gotten the reference if I said 12, so... <laughs> Wait, are you counting Goblin? Uh, the, she has an Laura's she, sister. Uh, okay. Uh, is she not the purple one there behind Witchfire? No, that's Persuasion. That's the purple man's daughter. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so the th- Goblin's 13. Must be, yeah. I think that's it for the issue. All right. Well, so, um, what do y'all want to give these issues? Um, yeah, John, you go first this time. It's weird because the Wolverine's role in this is so small. There's a lot else going on besides Wolverine and the stuff that is going on is sometimes good. And then sometimes weird. I don't know. So like as an alpha flight story, this is four to five easily with Mac returning and the drama there and the different juggling of different stuff. I don't know. Um, but the same, but, but the Wolverine stuff is more like a three to a four for me. So I guess I'm going to land on four. So I'm going to do four out of six long times. No, see. <laughs> Sounds good. What about you, Al? I hate to sound like a record, but I was thinking about before John even said his, and I kind of have to go similar because I did enjoy the story. It, it originally, you know, I wasn't reading Alpha Flight, and then when this this storyline came out, I started picking up Alpha Flight with issue eighty seven off the off the uh, comic store, and it, I kept staying with it for a while. I didn't drop it until somewhere like in the early one hundreds, and I am intrigued enough to kind of want to go back into it again and see what's going on. So story-wise, I've enjoyed it enough. It's not that big and important a Wolverine story. It's more of a relationship, you know, re- you know, getting back his relationship with Heather's story. That's really the important thing is for Wolverine here. Right. Um, art-wise, it, that brings it down a bit because the art is not that great. But like I said, uh, I'm not sure I want to downgrade it enough. Uh, you know what? You didn't do it last time, John, because you were too cowardly, but I will do it. 3.75 claws. <laughs> you couldn't commit to being halfway through one and the other, but damn it, I will commit to not going with three or four. They said it couldn't be done, but he found a way. <laughs> he found a way. <laughs> this is Michael Yashi uh, Maru. Well, we're, we're very agreeable this issue or this episode. Um, I'm going to give a very similar score for very similar reasons. I think. Had this had stronger art, I could probably go up to a five because I did enjoy the story. Um, 
there were lots of subplots, and it was kind of all over the place, but it didn't feel messy. It felt mostly organized. You know, you know, sometimes you have like lots of subplots, and you can't tell what the hell's going on. But I feel yeah. like this had a pretty cohesive story. You just had to jump around a lot. Um, you know, it's funny because I was thinking like, and not that I, I don't know if he can handle this many characters. I guess he does it sometimes, but um. Think how cool it would be if the Fabian Liefeld team had, had done this story. I'd probably had really, really enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, or no, it really kind of just a more dynamic artist. Um, but yeah, so because I didn't enjoy the art very much, I'm going to do four out of six claws. Um, with a leaning towards three, because I really, I mean, I don't think the art was terrible. It just didn't do anything for me. And it kind of, just kind of fell flat visually. Um, but the story was, was really interesting and really fun. And like you said, Al, it kind of, kind of makes me want to read some more Alpha Flight of this, of, of Fabian's run. And I probably will. So I think if, if something can, can motivate me to try to go get some other comics, you can't, can't mark it down too low. <laughs> so yeah. I think I'll, I'll settle on a, on a low four. Well, it makes sense. We're like that. We're all at that point, because I mean, what I feel of the story is it's a, Good comic. It's not a great comic, but it's far from a bad comic. Right. But it's a pretty good comic, you know. No one's going to be depressed by reading it. You know, just not going to change your life. Right. I am amused that they decided to stick to the Ganymede story for Hudson and where he's been and, like, how he came back and everything. Like, oh, you know, that. I really why, did go back in time to Jupiter, and why fix what's already been done? You know, just, just <laughs> he just landed with rocks on instead, and that's that's where he's been. So well, that's kind of funny. I'm assuming that Mr. Fabian lost a poker game to Bill Mantlow and had to keep that plot point. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I, I that's my head cannon now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, maybe they just want to piss off John Byrne. Could be. Could be. He d- didn't always make a lot of friends, so that's very possible. Didn't always or didn't ever? <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's unfair. I apologize. No, no. I, I think some of the things he said recently allow us to be a little unfair if we want to. <laughs> but, um,. Yeah, well, I knew, you know, three people are going to talk more than two people. So, but that said, we've gone a little long. So why don't we go ahead and wrap up and give you guys a chance to, uh, to, uh, pimp your wares. You want to go first, Al, with your wares? Hold on, let me pull up my, let me get some more leg out here then. Oh, 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 wait. Oh, you mean podcast stuff. Never mind. Never mind. Sorry. Sorry. Wrong thing. Wrong thing. Oof. Okay. Um, when are you planning on having this come out, or you're not sure yet? Um, It'll be soonish. Okay. Not that that matters. So, yeah. You can find me at Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos Podcast, which is usually all about Adam Warlock and Thanos. Oh, unless, of course, I am get sucked into some kind of podcasting crossover, like in October, where I was talking about Underworld Unleashed and then Mephisto versus the X-Men. Oh, nice. 
But normally we do have I do Adam Warlock and Thanos stuff, and a lot of times I have John on too. So if you like hearing either one of us, you get us both. It's very nice. It's very convenient <laughs> for you. There you go. John? Well, let's see. Shall we begin like David Copperfield? I am born, I grew up. <laughs> or shall we begin when I was born to podcasting, as I call it? That's really where we should start, don't you think? <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know why I'm quoting so it. So <laughs> Look, let's just call it what it is. You know, the, st- the crap you do without me. Oh, okay. There we go. We're done. Over. My microphone, my headphones just fell out. So whatever Al just said, I totally missed it. It sounded like a mic drop. That was awesome. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. My headphones pulled out. I was like, oh my God, where my headphones go? Okay. So, um, yeah, I have two shows that I'm doing. One is a weekly show available every Friday called Make Hours Marvel. It's where Michael Kaiser and I go through several issues of the original Marvel's comics from the 1960s. And we're doing all of them. The entire superhero-related universe, uh, beginning with the Fantastic Four number one. So um, that's a lot of fun. We have a good time. The shows only go an hour to an hour and a half. We try to no episode is too long. Uh, so that's happening at MakeOursMarvel.com. And then once a month over at my own website, JohnReadsComics.com, Uh, I'm putting out a show called All the Pouches, an image comics podcast. And that is where I am. I've started a read through project. I'm reading through everything from image comics from the early 1990s moving forward. So this podcast is is just my exploration of the early years of image comics. Um, It's it's just kind of, you know, my reactions to the stories, my thoughts as they go through. Um, and there are several episodes out uh, available at the beginning of every month. I do it several episodes so that they're kind of in bite-sized chunks. You can go through one and then take a breather if you want to and go through the other. Or you can just, you know, mainline me into your brain cells, whichever. whichever <laughs> way you do. Um, and then uh, around the first of the year, I'll be launching a show that I'm doing with my son. My son is nine years old. And uh, we are fans of the Japanese superhero TV show that was used as the basis for Power Rangers, but is different to Power Rangers. It's a series called Super Sentai. And every, uh, like Japanese shows often do, every season has its own name. But what we are doing is um, the first incarnation of that show was just recently finished fan subbing like the 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 uh, a f- a fan sub group has put subtitles on every single episode so you can watch it and know what's going on because the english is there at the bottom of the screen so thanks to rampage fan subs for putting those episodes out we are going through and doing audio commentaries of every episode of the first version of that super sentai show which is called himitsu sentai go ranger and uh, that is available at johnreadscomics.com. The show is called Super Silly Sentai. And uh, and yeah, that's happening. And we mentioned briefly earlier a Star Wars show, but that's that's still down the pipeline a bit. It's weird to hear people say, yeah, I'm going to be doing that show in about a year. But I'm probably going to be doing <laughs> that show in about a year. <laughs> Got it. Sounds good. 
Oh, and real quick, I almost forgot to say, I do have a second show, The Pop Culture Palace Presents, which is kind of a hodgepodge show, depends what I feel like doing. But I, you just made, reminded me, John, that there were at least five episodes I really did like doing, the ones we did on the uh, comic ages. Oh, yeah. Yeah, where it was me, John, uh, W. Blaine Dowler, and Brian Zeno, and we basically went through and kind of debated with each other, what are the different ages of comics? Golden, silver, bronze, etc. What came after bronze, if anything? So you can find that at the uh, thepopculturepalace.com. Very cool. And I will say to anybody listening, if you're not listening to all of those shows, you should be because they're all really good and highly entertaining. Um, I have fun and laugh and get informed at a lot at all of those episodes. So definitely go check them out if you haven't already. Um, for the podcast that goes snit, of course, uh, Twitter is at snitcast. Um, you can like the Facebook page, etc. So, um, Thank you guys both, Al and John, so much for coming on. It's been a lot of fun. I, I would say as much as I enjoyed reading these comics, um, even more fun just chatting with you guys. So thank you very much. Thanks for having us on. I always enjoy coming and talking on your show. Yeah, yeah. thank you. This, this is always fun to be. Awesome. Well, we will do it again soon. I don't know about together, <laughs> but we'll, uh, we'll we'll get some get you guys back on. So, um Awesome. Well, everybody, that's it for this episode. So until next time, hugs and snicks. Bye-bye. Snick, snick. <laughs> snick, 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 snick. And snacked.